Hey, it's Kristen. You're listening to Rational in Portland. I have Ben West and Don Courtney here in the studio on Rational in Portland. Thanks so much for joining us. Ben and Don have both been on before, of course, as the longtime listeners know. And I love these two for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that I think is really interesting and the way I got to know both of them is through listeners. So please continue to email me or direct message me all of the people that you think would be interesting to come on the show. And I will at some point work to get them on as I'm getting through the queue because that's how people like Don and Ben ended up on here. And actually, even though it's called Rational in Portland, somebody called me um, and I received an email, and I think maybe even a message, about Ben. It was all about Ben West, this guy. He's running for Clackamas County Commissioner. I know it's not Portland, but a lot of your listeners live in Clackamas County, and I think he's great. And I thought, what the heck, I'll give him a call. I called him. He and I talked for two hours, yeah. uh, way too lo- much longer than we probably should have, um, given that I think I caught you while you were working. And for those of you who don't know, Ben is very accomplished. He's not only a nurse at OHSU, you you also just joined the military. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a U.S. Navy officer. You're a and Navy I'm a officer. Naval officer, yeah. yeah. And Ben's a dad. Ben uh, sued the state of Oregon with his husband, Paul Rummel, to get married. So they were the first people to be married in the state of Oregon. They are on the ACLU's website, and that was uh, probably back when I was still a donor to the ACLU. But I'm I Ben and I talked, and we just connected immediately, and then he came in here when he was running for Clackamas County Commissioner, and we connected on the podcast so well, I remember just saying, everybody vote for this man. This guy's incredible. And since then, we formed a really great friendship. And then Don Courtney, who's also on the podcast, was a lawyer here in Portland, and he wrote a letter on behalf of his neighborhood, the Lentz neighborhood, the long-forgotten, long-suffering Lentz neighborhood that was just absolutely besieged by open-air drug markets and crime, and still is. Still is. And still is to this day. And after Charlie Hales did the quote-unquote safe sleep policy in 2016 and all the tents popped up in Lentz along the multi-use path, uh, things just became out of control really quickly. And we've had other guests on here like Winita Swartwood and and people from Lentz coming on talking about how terrible it's been. Char Penny. Um, Anyway, I just think it's, I, I think Lentz is an important area that we need to keep an eye on. And so Don came on because he wrote a great letter to city council and to Dan Ryan, who was doing the safe rest, what he called those safe rest villages, which again, were just sort of sanctioned, in my opinion, sanctioned open air drug markets. And Don's argument was, we cannot have more of this in Lentz. And here's why. And, and it was very moving to me. And so I gave him a call. We connected on the phone. He was actually in India. And we were talking on WhatsApp. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And I remember <laughs> being so upset that he was in India and saying, God, I wish you lived here and we could be friends. And then he came back. And then he, he 
came on the podcast. He's been on twice, so this is his third time. And then the last time he was on, I learned he and Ben were friends, so here we all here together. Um, ben, let's start with you. Can you please catch us up? Because we have not talked to you since you have be- became and won that race for Clackamas County Commissioner. Let's talk about what you've done, because it's a lot, what you've done since you won that race. And talk about the race. It was a nail biter. Oh, my gosh, it was. Yeah, why don't we start there? Yeah, I um, was a Wilsonville city councilor. I was finishing a four-year term and decided that the best use of my time for public service would be to run for Clackamas County Commissioner because I'm a nurse. And I saw all kinds of human despair on all the street corners in the metro area um, and homelessness, drug addiction, and it was just getting worse. Um, and so I thought, how can I use my skill set to um, better represent my community? And I thought that I could use my nursing lens better in the county level because that's where public health is disseminated. That's where public health comes from and is, is pushed on the community yeah. is through um, the county level where the boots on the ground. The legislature passes all kinds of things and we have all these different higher levels of government, but your boots on the ground that impact your life the most in your community, they're your city councilors, they're your county commissioners, they're your school board member um, races and um, school board members. So that's what I did. I wanted to run for county commissioner. I was a little bit of an outsider. I ran against a very well-funded, powerful incumbent. She outraised me almost two to one, which is a funny story in itself. Um, I raised, working full-time as a nurse, about $275,000. I would be in my truck in the parking lot on my lunch breaks just, like, trying to raise money and just put up the hustle, just hustle and work hard. And she had big union money, a lot of big union donors come in. And so she raised, and that I, I had raised at that point the most of any other candidate ever in Clackamas County's history. Well, she, she doubled me up, though, so she gets that title as the candidate with the most fundraising. But um, well-entrenched, union-supported uh, candidate with a lot of the same ideological belief systems that you would find common in Portland, in Portland government. And I came in as an outsider, worked my tail off, and, and um, uh, got my message out there and won. Um, it took forever to count the vote, but I won. And so right now, we are about a year in to my race as a county com- my, my current term as a county commissioner. So I've been a county commissioner for about a year now. It's gone by really fast, but I'm super proud of what Clackamas County has done in a year, how we have established ourselves as strong, pragmatic leaders in local government, and at many times, I believe, been a firewall against what you see coming out of Salem or out of Multnomah County to the rest of the state. And we've inspired many other counties throughout the state of Oregon um, to step up and use their local voice. I say flex your local voice. And so we've seen a lot of that in Clackamas County. Um, And so it's been a real honor and privilege to be able to have that title and have that role as a county commissioner in the greater Portland area. You know, I think that's really important that you talked about how hard you worked because when you came on this show, you had been canvassing. And I remember you showed up, you were in, it was like late fall, right? And so you were in all your winter gear. You had, it was very Clackamas County, you had your camo on. Uh, Hello today. Yeah, today's, right, today's got his Pendleton wool and his his antique belt buckle. And it's, it's very. You know, you came in, I saw you like walking in here today and I go, I was like, I was like, who's that cute guy? Looks like he's from Clackamas County. (laughs) My Clackamas County fire department fire hat. Well, just the, this vague hunting vibe. Yeah. Well, it's not. 
I mean, that's where I heard your guys' podcast. I was hunting in the woods. I was in the middle oh, of nowhere so under the starry night, and I had downloaded we your podcast. You. And then I was like, oh, my God, she's talking to Dawn. And I was like, I know Dawn, and I had listened to that podcast. It was a great a great show. People should go back and watch it. But Thank um, you. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to do. And so I want to talk about the kinds of things that you've accomplished since yeah. you become Clackamas County Commissioner because I can't keep up with it. And I'm your friend, and I still can't keep up with all the things that you're doing. Give us a hit list. Yeah. Um, well, I think right off the gate, Clackamas County was really angry. But my goal right out the gate was to get Clackamas County not just to be angry, but to be purposeful with that emotion. Empowered. Empowered through yeah. it. Correct, right? So we can't just be like, I'm mad at Portland, and Portland's a, a garbage heap. Right. Right? Or I'm tired of seeing people die in my street. That's I'm feudal angry. anger. Right. So yeah. now how do we channel this? Yeah. And, like, create policy that's different because policy impacts real lives every single day. The decisions made within politics are far-reaching from almost every aspect of our everyday lives. And so I went to work, um, and my big thing that I ran on, the big thing I wanted to tackle was addiction, homelessness, um, and mental health issues that were just being um, – exasperated or ignored. We had the legislature abdicating their role, not doing their job. We had um, bad policy coming out of um, major institutions and governmental powers in the state of Oregon. And then, I don't know, the city was on fire. So we had Literally. like... Right, so I think we just needed like to stake our claim about this is the worldview that will be informing our beliefs and actions going forward. Um, right out of the gate, I, I voted against the Project Turnkey Hotel, um, and it got a lot of heat for that. It was quite controversial. So I we should talk about that, because I actually got some messages from listeners who really like you and who supported you, and I think many of them voted for you, and they were upset about your vote on that. And I think you and I talked about it. And they were their argument was the homeless in Clackamas are not the homeless in Portland. And their perception was that the kind of crime that you might see from, say, a safe rest village that, that Don Courtney was arguing against popping up in Lentz and the kind of just decay and, and open-air drug markets that you would see, that you do see as, as those pop up, their argument was they just didn't think that was going to come to fruition, that in Clackamas County, maybe this was mom working five jobs. And so what what do you say to that? Well, we share over a 10-mile border with Portland, and part of that's 82nd by an area called Felony Flats. Lentz. Lentz, like down from there, right? So yeah. we do... Um, the, <laughs> the, 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 the criminal in the attic, they're not like... Oh, wait, I crossed over into the Clackamas County border. And the bike path goes to Clackamas. And the bike path goes to Clackamas, right? So Springwall Corridor, all of these things tie into Clackamas. So the thing was is, like, I had been there three weeks, and I saw us being dictated to by the state and by those that created the problem wanted to tell me they had the solution for the problem, and this hotel was the solution. So I was skeptical of that. Who, who specific? What, what institutions were telling so, you? About so this? large special interest groups that were very much tied to the more progressive politicians. Are you in the able state. to say who? Do you mean like nonprofits? So, you, so groups, so groups okay. like Here Together, okay, um, groups, um, other politicians like um, that were definitely ideologically to the left, um, and this kind of very organized structure was really turning the screws to make sure that we bought this hotel. And I had a number of concerns. I've been there three weeks. Two things happened as I sat there and really 
had a mini sleepless nights over this. One, I don't need to be so ambitious that I believe I can solve this problem in the first three weeks. And they decided to start to buy this thing before I even was elected in office. It was a previous board of commissioners that started into the contract to buy this. And so your predecessor, who was the incumbent, she she had supported it and voted for it. And I knew that we were going to do big things. I believed in, in in, in my core that we were going to step out and do big things. But I didn't believe that this was part of the system in which we have begun to establish today to help solve this crisis. I'm looking back, and it was no to that hotel, but it was yes to all of these other more comprehensive um, interventions that we're establishing now um, through my leadership and with the Board of County Commissioners. So hindsight can be a little bit 2020, but I, you know, who knows? I'm, in, I'm a fallible man. Maybe I got it wrong and we could have utilized that hotel. It's okay to say that as an elected, that you're like torn over a vote and somebody who really wants to tackle this problem. However, I'm super proud of what we've done instead of that hotel. Yeah, That's talk to, much talk to more impactful that. than what that could have been. Um, so then what I did right away is like, once again, we're just pissed off as a county. I said, but we need to stake how we are going to solve this. We need to stick And for a those of us who don't live in Clackamas County, I, I just want to talk about one more thing about your background. If people haven't heard Ben's episode, they should really go back and listen to it because it's it's amazing. Ben grew up in North Portland, stayed in North Portland, was married there, raised his, is still raising a son, but early raised his son, Jaquan, who's black, in North Portland. And Jaquan had already been rejected by his first family. And there's a really beautiful story that Ben tells that brings me to tears every time I hear it about when he told Jaquan that he and Paul were his forever family. Eventually, they decide it's this isn't a friend, family-friendly place. They move to Clackamas. So for those of us like me, like Don when he's back from India, who are in Portland um, in Multnomah County, what is it that Clackamas County is pissed off about? Portland Creek. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Portland Creek. Because when I hear, oh, Clackamas County is pissed off, I think, about what? Actually, I... Like, you live in Clackamas. I have a house in Clackamas County and Portland. So... Right, okay. I went to high school in Clackamas County. That's right. Yeah. Because you grew up in Milwaukee. So I'm very familiar with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, in your podcast, you actually spoke very clearly and had a really good frame of reference about Clackamas County, the culture in Clackamas. I you, thought he did, it too. Actually, in that, like, you brought really good insight from your background in the area. Mm. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, he's quite tuned in to like, mm-hmm. the different kind of microcultures within an urban area. But for those that don't know, the greater Portland area, well, Metro, is made up of three big counties, the three biggest, most populated counties in the state. Of course, Multnomah County, which is where most of Portland residents reside in. To the west of us is Washington County, the second biggest county and to the south is the is um uh clackamas county which is uniquely different than both washington and and, uh, multnomah county but that's the tri-county area in what ways do you think it's uniquely different for those we have a little bit of we 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 have a i think a pretty diverse population because it's where the urban and the suburban collide and then we have the largest rural population in county boundaries in the state of Oregon. So it's where the rural, the suburban, and the um, urban all kind of mesh together and collide in one county. It's a big area of it's state. It's enormous, yeah. so right? So when How you look miles? at a postcard and you see Mount Hood, all of that is Clackamas County. When you go all the way in touching Sherwood to the west, that's Clackamas County. Not as far west, but we touch Warm Springs and go south of 
south of Salem, but not as far west as Salem. Is it the biggest county in the state of oh, Oregon? Oh, no. God, no. Malheur. Malheur is. Harney County. Harney County are much bigger, yeah. So the more rural counties are. Or just like giant landmass. They might have a population of like 5,000 people, but big land In the metro area, yeah. Is it the biggest in metro? I consider Clark County metro area, but yeah, it's bigger. I think it's bigger than all the other ones. It's pretty big. And so uh, is that true what Don said, that people in Clackamas are pissed off about, po- quote-unquote, Portland Creek? I can't tell you how to often my constituents say, don't Portland my Clackamas. No Portland Creek, right? And that's what, what's happening is you're seeing, what, a billion dollars of um, business and revenue leave Multnomah County. Where have many of those businesses gone? A, They've gone to the state. A billion tax dollars just period. Oh, wow. could be personal. Clark- but where they go? they go? They're crossing the border to Clackamas. They are. I tell That's people, right. listen, we're open for business. You're gonna, your business is safe. It's protected. You can earn a living and, here. You know, so like if you look even at published, <clears throat> the only places that like are doing well as far as the office market is Cruiseway. That's in Clackamas County. Like there's, and actually Clackamas County has both the wealthiest community in Oregon, Lake Oswego, and the highest income, Happy Valley. So there's a lot yeah. a lot going on. But you could also go drive 20 minutes and you can be yeah. in rural Estacada where there's rural prov- poverty. Yeah. So it's super diverse that way. Um, but, you know, we are the safest county with more than 7,500 residents and we're in the Portland metro area. Local government matters, your DA matters, how your sheriff's department matters, your county commissioners matter. And so we just have had a different way of governing, right? Like, and I talked about this, like you said, well, what'd you do different than the hotel? I, I had our, I had our um, commission pass a resolution on what a recovery-oriented system of care was, and then I held the bureaucrats accountable to that resolution. And if it didn't fit the resolution's definition of what recovery was, we weren't establishing it or we weren't building it in Clackamas County with the money that we had to address this crisis. So we were very clear about the vision of what we were and who we were, and then we started to build out from there. And so... That's why we have some of the great numbers that we're having in Clackamas County around addiction, recovery, and homelessness and things like that when Multnomah County is still spinning. Because if money was a problem, this would have already been solved by now. But obviously, we have a leadership problem and Jessica Vega-Peterson and all the rest um, <laughs> here at uh, in Multnomah County. Julie Brim Edwards and, sh- and Dr. Muren aside, we have some leadership issues in Multnomah County. And so what, what are you most proud of? What would you say that you're most proud of since taking office? Um, it, it, it is leading the county in a recovery-oriented system of care of how to deal with this crisis, pushing back hard against Measure 110, and then going and building relationships across North America and bringing in the greatest thought leaders on how to solve this problem because Oregon's echo chamber was, was deafening and broken. And having those innovators inform our policy all the way from Canada, Seattle, to, yeah, let's talk to about Texas. That. Right. And now we're building that infrastructure here inspired by those thought leaders that are actually having success in their communities. Right. So we should talk about this. So you and I are members of a coalition that was co-founded by Michael Schellenberger and Andrea Suarez. People are probably so sick of hearing me say this, but I, I, I'm really proud of it. And I like to talk about it because I think it's important. It's called North America Recovers. And Ben, as a government official, has been able to harness 
these thought leaders from throughout North America. And in fact, t- like tell us about the Alberta model because you went to that was one of the trips that I missed. Yeah. And you actually went to Alberta and studied and looked at the kinds of methods that they're implementing yeah. in, in regard to addiction recovery. And a lot of the people in North America recovers are addicts themselves they're in recovery and so they know what works yeah what did you observe when you went over there i saw a whole system that filled a care continuum and not just what grifters or ideologues would like you to spend tens of millions of government dollars towards but it was actually evidence-based and tailored towards an entire care continuum from street homelessness to self-sufficiency and healing and it and it was at times a long process of 18 to 24 months but they had done a really brilliant job of of building that out and, and and utilizing those resources i also went with commissioner martha schrader who has become one of my dearest friends. She is a Democrat, um, well-known Clackamas County legend. Um, Her husband was Kirk Schrader, the congressman before Lori Chavez-Dreamer is now sitting uh, as a congresswoman in the 5th Congressional District, but forever. Well, and to be fair, I I just really quickly want to note for the listeners, Kurt Schrader was a moderate, and he was a true centrist. And in fact, Biden endorsed him. And what happened is he wasn't left enough. For, for the Oregon Democrats. And they wanted Jamie McLeod Skinner. Who was the California, like... <laughs> Correct. Woman. Yeah. So she, she, was, she was living in Central Oregon. She was certainly to the left of Kurt Schrader. And Derek Clevenger talks about this. He talked about this the first time he came on. He talked about it just this last time, and I'll air that. If I haven't already, by the time you're listening to this, it, it'll be aired shortly. But Derek describes it perfectly. He, he says, you know, look, most people are centrists, and they don't want people on extremes. And, and even, even if you're slightly extreme, they don't want that. They want centrists. And what happened is Kurt Schrader was a good Democrat centrist, and that the Oregon Democrats are to the left of most Oregonians. And that is a big issue in the legislature. And he criticizes the Republicans just as much as why I like him, because he's a true centrist. And he talks about why the Oregon GOP is murdering itself and why it will never succeed under its current form. Ben, you and I talk about this all the time. The ways in which the Oregon GOP is screwing up our legion. The Oregon GOP could could do a lot if it could just move to the center. And nobody in the legislature seems to be able to do that. In the meantime, you know... Um, here comes Lori Chavez Dreamer just sort of quietly taking centrist positions and not really yelling into a microphone about anything in particular. Certainly not Trumpy, certainly not MAGA. And what happens? She wins. They reject Jamie McLeod Skinner. That was a district that was primed for somebody like Jamie McLeod Skinner to win, and she lost it. She yeah. lost it. They screwed themselves. Yeah, and Lori's doing a great job, but. Um no, she is. It, it has nothing to do with her. It's about yep. the Democrats picking the left. The bad candidate. Why do we think that is? The left of center person. Why do the Why do the Democrats like? Why is it that like um, Buckman and Boise Elliott and um, these sort of like hyper leftist neighborhoods dictate the policy of our entire state? The most left wing. You, if you look at what the Oregon Democratic Party puts out. That's the places that it's coming from, even though they're a minority of even the Democrats. Why is it that they have that pull? It's those far lefters. It's this. I don't know, Ben. Ben, you would know better because you you you're more involved with the legislature. What is going on with that institutional 
I'm not talking about Oregon Democrats generally, because obviously they rejected Jamie McLeod Skinner. So what is going on with that Democrat infrastructure? The the the, the, the power structure. Yes, like the, thank you. The SEIU and yes. the, the, the PAT and all these like hyper leftist big donors. Like, what is that? Well, a lot of that is um, specifically highly ideological, rich unions yeah. that control the state. And then... Um, they the people in Portland continue to and I, I think Portland's really has moved further and further ideologically to the left and it becomes politics becomes so tribalistic that you're on my team, you get my vote, regardless of actually looking outside of your political um, uh, team's uh, boundaries if you were and, and so you know I think Trump also, exposed a broken system and 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 caused that to fester even more. Some people say Trump broke the system. I think Trump exposed what was already there under the surface, which really tribalistic partisan politics and um it has caused I think some rational people to just have the inability to critically think beyond like I would call like a derangement syndrome about the man. And I think that has exasperated polarization across the country and in red or blue areas. Um, I mean, I, I grew up in, in North Portland. I lived there for over 30 years. My parents still live there My child in my childhood home. I mean, I'm not really surprised. I mean, North Portland is the second bluest district. Rob Nose represents in the Hawthorne area the bluest district. Yeah, so um, inner southeast, north. Yeah, but they and why? But I just it's just interesting. And maybe they're, I mean, they, they there's like, not an answer. They will they, literally support a DSA dictate like so from, much in this state, and nobody agrees with them except for those people. Well, they also have the yeah. population centers, right? No. Well, Portland does, Portland and so it has the, the most yeah, representatives, and it's a very blue state, a very blue city. I don't. But even Kurt, know. Kurt Schrader and and Lori Chavez Dreamer and Jamie McLeod Skinner that that race was in Southeast Portland. That was that it I voted. I voted on that race. That was Southeast Portland. So I, I actually think most Portlanders are centrists. Is your yeah, agree. Yes. Because, like, like you're the little finger. I am. I'm you're the, the little finger I'm, in I Portland, the little, the little gerrymandered. Yeah. Look, okay. Look, if, if, if <laughs> See, most. You're on the west side now. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Well, they, yes, they gerrymandered me into the west side, even though I'm a southeast. But, you know, most Portlanders are centrists. That's why they voted yeah. for Mingus Maps instead of Chloe Udali. That's why they voted for Renee Gonzalez instead of Joanne yeah. Hardesty. So, They're centrists. So why is it that we get, well, maybe it's changing, but then we get these, like, I don't know. I it's just, the I, machine. It's the, the political machine, machine. Exactly. It's the machine that's doing it. I don't think there is any one or two people. It's like this thing has a life of its own. It does have a life of its own, and I think it has... I mean, Ben, you would know better than me because you, you're just closer to all this, but I think it, it also has the kind of funding that can only be gathered through decade after decade after... It's almost like a foundation, the amount of funding they have. Oh, it's it's like the foundation. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's it's um, deep, deep pockets. It's practically a college endowment or something. This yeah. is the Oregon Democratic Party. The Democratic well, Party. Well, the machines. The, the, yeah. the big unions. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that even control that party, yeah. Um, but, I mean, vote differently. How, many, how often do you have to walk outside your door 
and see a dead body or see <laughs> somebody shooting up your street or see needles in your kid's park or be the laughing stock of the world and the nation. But see, How long before you're like, I might want to vote mm, differently? Yeah, and I think people are voting a little bit differently. Obviously they are. But you, they are. And I think it's, it's slowly happening. I mean, I don't know if you can trust that poll that the police union put out again. A why? Union. Well, I don't know. I mean, because... Well, I think you could... I, online, because you know, why? Be, what, because, because people don't trust the police. I mean, it's even inside me. I'm like, I have to make a provide... Anytime I mention the police in this town, you have to oh my do God, this, little, this little, like, doxology to say, hey, you know, I, I totally understand that, you know, that... that you know, the police are bad or whatever. Don, Don they yeah. call me the cops commissioner, so I may not have the <laughs> but same. What I, mean I get what you're saying culturally. Culturally, There's I feel an like anti -police I have to say that culture. a lot of people are not yeah. going to take you seriously. Yeah. They're not even going to listen to you. So you have to kind of be like, no, I get a cab. But uh, it's like. I don't think that's true anymore. And I think it's important to point out that uh, Portlanders, in the same vein, want the police. And if they didn't want the police, they would have kept Joanne in. They voted for sure. Renee because Renee had the police union. 45% voted for Joanne. Okay. 45%. That's a lot. It wasn't, <laughs> but it wasn't a nail I mean, this, biter. I, mean, I shouldn't say this as a local Still, elective, but, but she, was she was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like, I'm not allowed to say <laughs> that necessarily, but... Listen, but, but listen, she was also an incumbent, Okay. She had made international headlines. The country, in the loudest parts of the, the entire country were with her. She was giving interviews to Marie Claire for Pete's sake. Well, somebody voted 45% for her. It's a so, lot. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And Yeah, but this guy comes out of nowhere who's being called a white supremacist and gets the endorsement of the police union after the racial reckoning and the George Floyd murders, and he wins? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I Wrap just, your mind around but he, he won by a significant amount. It wasn't really it close. Was. It was not a nail-biter. I mean, it, I, it was a nail-biter. It's not a nail-biter, but still, 45% is 45%. It's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of people. Of people. Uh, so, you know, they're, those people aren't going away. Yeah, and they're active, and they're loud. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're like, they seem like they're the majority because they are so loud so and so loud. active. I don't think they yeah. seem like the majority anymore because I go to those city council meetings, and I go to those county council I, meetings. I, I swear they I have, they, right. listen, on my Twitter, I have, I swear, they have specific those trolls. Those are online people. They're, but yeah, they're, but they're Portland people. different. They're, on, they're Portland but people, but they have, true, like, yeah. sick people that literally 24-7 are waiting for me to tweet so they control me. The same group, like is one non of them named Piper? No, your, one of your them. Friend Piper. One of them's your name. Friend is, Piper. None of, one of their names is um, genderless rodent. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that is. And, it sounds persuasive. And, no, but and you know, Seth. Those are my two how trolls. Sad that is. Genderless rodent. Somebody actually visualizes themselves as a genderless rodent. Like. Um, Excuse that's, me, Don, that's their identity. What I mean is, the genderless fine thing, fine. I had a client once who was. Uh, uh, what's the word non-binary and you could totally not that I'm the judge but I could totally see it um, and uh, so the generalist thing is fine but the the rodent like the fact that you you think of yourself as a rat what does that say about some of these people the self-esteem and the and the you know the I don't know I just I almost feel sad now I'm getting to be a softie <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm feeling bad for Antifa. What's wrong with me? <laughs> they um. Are you feeling nostalgic for Portland because you're about to go back to it India? Could be I'm some trying kind to understand. Of emotional swirl related to that, but but it's, are, do you have Stockholm syndrome? <laughs> this is this is their profile. Genderless wrote it. They them obviously 
Queer NB, don't, that's some jargon I don't know, NB. Leftist, got it. Nerd, okay. Abolish the police and prisons, which I love because, well, that one is great. Then Don, what? Don. Okay, but that's another Don, topic. Don. Pro, Don. pro criminal, pro druggy. You're upsetting me. Pro homeless, radical left. Hello, future me. I don't get that part. Genderless rodent posts 18 minutes ago. What's their, what's their, um, what's their, their little um, holiday picture ago. say? What's the little holiday? Holiday picture say happy gay stripper trans kids sodomy <laughs> overdose festival. Oh that's pretty God. funny. They sound like they were involved oh, in Lynch being funny. an open air drug den to me. <laughs> that's what they sound like. Well, but I admit that's funny. That is funny. Uh, I mean, it's just you know, okay. I find these some of these people are really interesting because they're not interesting. They're actually really boring. But they're they're they. Why are they boring? That's why are they boring because. A provocative statement, I because think. Because they're they're just angry and entitled and unhappy. And, and a that's weird, a really old story. And in a weird political cult? Boring. It's like a weird cult. Well, and they've they've gotten into a cult and they what's boring about it is is that is it is it's just like it's not it's it's just an old story. It's it's somebody who's who's um for whatever reason probably had a rough childhood and is um Externalizing it, it may be uh, narcissistic to the point where they're not seeing their own role and why their life is the way that, you know, the bad things that they complain about are happening to them and their own role in it. That's what narcissism does. It stops you from seeing that. And uh, it's just, to me, it's just boring. It's another iteration of somebody who's blaming the world for things that the world didn't, I mean... I don't know. It's just like the world is the way it is, and and mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what's boring. It's also about a it. Joanna. Yeah. I guarantee you, it's a Joanna Hardesty voter too. Sure. No, <laughs> like, obviously. Or, or somebody who doesn't vote. Or I- somebody who, do, who doesn't believe in voting, and you know, whatever the revolutionary thing. I mean, I get it. Like for one thing, to me, like I look at the situation and I see so much. This is so much of this is also generated by the fact that a lot of these people really are economically squeezed. If you think about the 90s, which we all, the three of us, uh, probably our heydays, I remember my friends had a a house um, on the sort of the north end of Irvington to where, I don't even know it's technically Irvington, but the cheaper part of Irvington. And they rented a house, a smaller house, not a big mansion, and the total rent was $750 a month for the whole house. And it was a full house, like a 2,000 square foot house. And so there were four of them there. They each could pay like $200 a month. And like people were just way less squeezed. You know, the people who, who, and then what you've had happen also since then, not only is it that the rent takes up a larger percentage of your income if you're making at the bottom of the wage scale, you know, than it did in the 90s and 2000s. But what we've had, thanks Obama and <laughs> Biden, is we've had a whole <laughs> oh lot God. of asset inflation. Correct. So and like, Trump. Trump so, was also okay, writing checks. Yeah, Trump started okay. the check writing. So, so the asset inflation has just left people who don't have title to something in the dust. You're right. Yeah. And that's all happened when we now see but, genderless but rodent know. who feels like they just haven't 
participated in any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, but do you know what local thing made that happen? Like, we can't, I mean, Oregon, I don't think really impacts a lot of presidential races, though we like to, like, pretend Trump's controlling our whole Not life for Biden. Yeah. Not we are seven, ele six electoral votes, <laughs> right, and right. we are, like, way down. The like, election's already decided by the time it gets to this us. This is the capital of narcissism, so right. we're really important. <laughs> like, okay? I know. We determine yeah, yes. the president. I'm like, what? usually <laughs> the election's totally decided by the time our votes are counted. They already get to 270 before yeah. they consider Oregon. Um, but uh, but one of the things I think is important to talk about is why is it so expensive and why are so many people disaffected in Oregon is because we have some of the strictest land use laws in the nation and the urban growth boundary has made it to where on one side of the urban growth boundary you can have a house that's worth one amount and then you could cross step over the other side and it's $150,000 to $200,000 cheaper. Why? It's because of restrictive land use laws and regulations. Sure. So that's a local government thing that's impacting people's lives like um, the, the the single mom or the new starting family or whatever trying to Wait, get on their feet. Seattle doesn't have that, and houses are twice as much there. So that's their not the tax only burden, reason. Their tax burden I mean, is also much lower than ours. Well, they also have huge companies that pay really well. But Yeah, uh, they, but what they I care mean about is, business. Is, but, but, but here's a, it's not the only reason. You're because, correct. It's yeah. not the only reason, but locally it's a major one because you're putting an artificial economic boundary on the cost of land. I don't think that that makes as big of a difference as you think. Because if you go, if you look at places that are even more expensive, they don't have that. The Bay Area, uh, Bay Area has a lot of restrictions on development. But the point is, is that we're the cheapest place on the West Coast, still. We're not cheap. But we're still the cheapest. But you can directly see the cost of land Here's the border. Oh, Y'all that can't see, I'm making like a little airline <laughs> in the air. Here's the border. This side is the urban growth boundary. You cross over the road and go to this side. The land is significantly cheaper. The houses on this side are cheaper than the ones on this side because of the, right. the cost and the regulations to build. Well, I mean, I would guess that if what you're saying is is that per for the same size lot, the one that is in the urban growth boundary is going to be more expensive because you have development potential. You're allowed to subdivide it. Whereas if you, like, for example, my my dad's half-brother uh, uh, inherited 20 acres in Oregon City. And I used to remember thinking that, wow, they're really sitting on a gold mine, right? But it's like, no, I mean, their house on 20 acres is worth, like, you know, what a nice house is in, in like, um, you know, near the river in Oak Grove. And uh, the reason is because they can't subdivide their property. It's farm. So there's there's nothing they can do with it other than it's have EFU one house or protected on it. Yeah. zoning also yeah. outside the urban growth boundary. Yeah. So, but, but and you can be EFU and also not be good farmland, but they won't let you develop it because it's EFU even though it's gravel. Yeah. Whatever right? it is, I don't so know like the it's, details. It's, it's, it's a lot of land use they laws. They can't even put another house on that and it's 20 yeah. acres. Yeah. Yeah. So, because of restrictive yeah. land use laws. But what do we, you know, the, so, you know, yeah, but I don't see then what happens is then you can let everything say, let everything gets developed so that it looks like, you know, the south part of the Puget Sound where where or, or parts of California that are just San Jose. But just, just, just sprawling. That didn't make those places so cheaper. We, but, but, in, but, Don, in Oregon, we have zero balance. So Oregon is about 4,000 square miles larger than the entire United Kingdom. Sure. Our population yeah. is 4.2 yeah, million, yeah, yeah. which is like... 
like a fart yeah. out of the United Kingdom, right? <laughs> like, and, and Oregon, and, and I think there's 70 million in United yeah. Kingdom, right? Uh-huh. We are like the Saudi Arabia of land yeah. and trees. That's another topic. Yeah. But, but the thing is, like, just because we begin to have some balance in our land use laws, which is a supply well, and demand issue. There's it's a supply and demand issue. Like, if you restrict the supply, that it's going to be more expensive. We have restricted the supply and been very, with our land use. I don't want us to become a sprawl, but I also don't want it to where um, a young couple can't ever buy a house ever again. Agreed. And I can't afford to buy the house that I live but, in today. Agreed. But I don't know that loosening that rule, that the, that, that allowing more development will make it cheaper. I because, And the reason is, is because look at California. California allowed, not now, but back in the day allowed, a, I mean, they filled up whole valleys with millions of houses. Did that make them any cheaper? They're there's, way more. But there's than a us. whole other set of reasons why California. Well, they is have widely, better paying jobs. There's, but but there's there's a. The, I think one yeah, of the, the main factors in, in Oregon is our land use. It's not the only factor in Oregon, and there's a number of factors that um, impact. We just went on a segue, didn't we? No, we it's good. Keep we going. Just I enjoy we just it. went tangent. I don't know if you've ever talked about no, land use. I like use talking to Ben because he has a different take on it. He than does I have do. a different yeah. take. But and so I just want there to be like a relative balance in how we allow ourselves to open up our land and not be so restrictive. Like we have to make the I have to make these decisions every day as a county commissioner, and I see every single day how these regulations impact real people's lives. Yeah, and a lot of it has to do around land use. Are you working with developers or builders, um, and they're like, "Listen, I'm just going to go build this." three times the house in Idaho and like a normal family can buy it. Right. So, and, um, uh, I, you know, I also don't want to be packed in like the pod people in Portland (laughs) where I'm told that if I have a small lot in Clackamas County with a little picket fence and 2.5 kids that it's somehow I'm a racist bigot because I want to live (laughs) within a four bedroom house. Right. I also don't want that mentality either where they want to pack us like pod people. And before you know, we're going to be eating insects. But see, I don't. But but then I think you but I mean, unless unless then you may be wanting everything all at once, because like, for example, where 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 like um, my house in Clackamas County, it's like right across the Clackamas River is like where I used to drive in high school. We like smoke pot and go drive around, which isn't legal. But um, so like, and we don't recommend. Don't doing recommend. That. <laughs> this is not an endorsement of. <laughs> uh, on this podcast, the point being is, is that once you when you when you go right over the Clackamas River, that it becomes this like beautiful bucolic like uh, uh, area, which is like with interspersed with patches of forest and farms and and um and it it's just it's, it's just gorgeous views of the mountain, yep. uh, beautiful river there, and it's like. That was that was and is something that I value highly about that house is that within a five minute drive I can be in this beautiful countryside and then in my neighborhood it's all suburban and then it's it's 10, 15 minutes from Portland. So to me that was one of the things that I and this may explain why Clackamas is so popular, like and so expensive now. It's, it's because safe. you yeah. have that that Clackamas County has that part of it that is heavily restricted in terms of development and so it's restricted to still having farms because what else are you going to do with that land you can't develop it and so we have that bucolic landscape because of the urban growth boundary you you can't not all farmlands the same yeah some of it gets classified as protected farmland when it's really not farmable um 
And you cannot deny that the restrictive land use laws have made um, home ownership widely unattainable for a lot of people in Oregon. It has a role in it. it ha- I, okay, so you said two different things there. I agree that it has a role. I don't think that it is the determinative reason why housing costs are expensive. So housing costs are expensive if, if for, like, I, I just having to keep repeat myself. They're expensive in Boston, in L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, like a lot of these cities that don't have the same regime as we have. They're even more expensive housing. So that can't be the main reason. And what it does do is preserve this sort of um, like Yamhill County or... Clackamas, which I think parts of Clackamas County are beautiful and not the ones that are Mount Hood, but the ones that are literally right outside of town, mm-hmm. I think are really beautiful, like uh, Carver, um, which is the whole existence of Carver is due to the urban growth boundary. That is very close to the city. And, um, you know, a lot of those areas out that way, Barton, Carver, uh, are just beautiful. And, you know, I'd hate to lose that. I, I think every Oregonian agrees with you. I just think that. We're so extreme. Yeah, and that, that there's. True. I think. Yeah. I think. I. I. I probably value a higher. I weight it higher than you do. We're yeah. splitting hairs now in our disagreement, but um, I feel like um, uh, we have when when we are arguably the most restrictive in the nation. Probably. And we're land abundant in a yeah. small population. And you know the other thing right? we there's, could do. There's a thing there. Is is like. And Clackamas is the worst one. I mean, talk about being anti-growth. You pick the county that's Uh-oh. just anti-growth. Uh-oh. They love yeah. some nimbyism in Clackamas Uh-oh. County. It, it is. is NIMBY central. Yes. <laughs> and and are, I, I know I'm getting a phone call after this yes. podcast from a Clackamas County resident. So, Ben, I'm going to get all these emails now. Are you interested in changing that? What is your position on that? On what? On land use and on oh. the ability of, of I, I think it's too restrictive in the in Oregon and it hurts um, people, including uh, in your do, own county. Do you yeah, in Carver, my county. Do you think? Well, Park, it's a statewide issue. It's statewide. McIver, land use is statewide. Do you think McIver Park, Barton, Carver should be developed into houses? No, I don't think that? it has to to be able to loosen the urban growth so boundary. What, what would you foresee for that beautiful area? Which is right outside of the city. Right. So I think that we have to be very surgical, but we also have to be much more willing and nimble in how we open up lands to be developed to make more available, which will bring down price. Okay. And I I agree, actually, that we should make more available. I don't think it'll bring down the price. I kind of am also one of those people who believes in induced demand, like with the freeways and stuff, like, which is like... Sure, go ahead and get more people able to live. I don't know that it's going to bring down the price, but I still think it's a good idea because, you know, growth is good for the health of our of our communities. And, and you know, Antifa and people like that are going to be like, you know, the whole growth model of capitalism, it's unfriendly to the world and whatever, fine. But in I don't the want to reality... Fr- I don't want to hear about friendliness from any Antifa. Well, I mean, <laughs> environmentally friendly. But what I mean is, is like, you know... I believe that given the constraints that we have currently with our economic system in the United States, you'd rather be a place that is providing additional housing and allowing opening open business, new businesses to open up and looking at the tax regime and looking at the regulatory regime to, to provide that space for that growth than you want the opposite, which is to kill it. You know, and so while I, I wouldn't say you want to have like this place turn into San Jose, but... 
like at the same time I on some level agree with you I just wish that it like you say it could be done surgically like for example do we want to plaster over the other side of the Clackamas River with like you know McMansions or maybe there's a little bit of a room for some apartments or something with a little more density so that we don't use up as much of the nice farmland I don't know we we have 4.2 million people statewide, <laughs> and we have the same square miles. We have more square miles than the entire United Kingdom, and right. we have lots of beautiful so, rolling hills. <laughs> like, I just think that, like, the, the alarmism around, like, <laughs> it's been some alarmism around, like, development the and Willam- anti-development. How, how, many, how, many, how many square miles is the, is the Willamette Valley? It's not what, however millions, you know, it's not as many as you say. The, much of this state is... Uh, the land is not in proximity to any business centers or anywhere that anyone really wants to live because they can't get a job there. You know what I mean? So like Malheur County, Lake County, Harney County, Klamath County, Wallowa County, Union County, John Day County, none of those ain't no subdivisions going in there. There's nowhere to work. But the issue that we're talking about is the Willamette Valley. We're talking about Marion County, Clackamas County, uh, Washington County. That's the issue. And those places do have population pressure on the ag land. Like there is subdivisions going in and when they do go in, you can see, oh, whoa, this looks like a lot of houses. It used to like be like really bucolic. And it, it is jarring. Like, I, love, I love the word bucolic. That yeah, because it's beautiful. It's yeah. one of the. It's one of the. I like reasons, that word too. I like it. It's one of the well, reasons that people. Thanks for bringing it to the podcast. You know, Don <laughs> went to a fancy school. Yeah, so he uses words like bucolic. But, but I just mean, <laughs> I love, I love rural Clackamas County and Yamhill County and and Marion County and Silverton. These areas are beautiful. Silver Falls area, like. You oh, know. I need to. My family yeah. farmed that land. Yeah. Like, I come from Mount Angel. I come yeah, from Mount Silverton. Yeah, Mount beautiful. I would hate to like, see that turn into I, a city. I just don't think that there's any recent threat of that happening. That's like just because you begin to um, be less restrictive doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be like. A, slow. So, like, listen, it's also like the full pendulum swing is hyper restrictive. <laughs> right. right? Okay. And then I'm just acting. I'm just all I'm saying with this argument is. Can we just be like balanced? Yes. Okay. And that doesn't mean that Mount Angel's not going to be a little German village haven anymore for Oktoberfest. <laughs> where my grandparents that. got well, married in that old church. When's, like, the la- when's the last time you went down to like um, Canby? You've probably. Um, I literally went. just picked up my deer right. meat at Ebner's, which Canby is in Canby. Has really changed in the last twenty years. Uh-huh. So there is development. It's one of the fastest on. growing cities in the state. Yeah, and and. Malala. Do you know why? It's outside the urban growth boundary and it's easier to build and develop. Yes. So people can actually, like, I don't know, live an hour from their job now. Right. right. And have actually, like, more than a a studio. No, you're you're, you're be, right on that, right? Yeah. And yeah. and and then have to step over or, dead people just to go <laughs> pick up Thai food. Like that's what we deal with. It's like that's our choices. I get to be an hour from work outside the urban growth boundary, or I get to like go be in an episode of The Walking Dead in the urban. In, By the in way, they're the urban not area. dead. They're just they're just taking a little nap. Oh, I have to Narcan <laughs> five. I have to Narcan <laughs> ten people on my way to go pick up my Thai food, <laughs> like on the way down the road. Which right? actually, I will say. I was on the phone with Ben once when he oh my God. had to pull over and try to assist a completely nude woman and who had... drug psychosis. And yeah, we were on the phone together when this happened. And she had... It was horrifying because she had like a C-section scar 
she and was like she clearly get was the bugs a mother. Out of me and she's yeah. clawing at her flesh. It was sure. so. I literally and you know and, and Ben the, stopped under the evidence rules. That's admissible because it, it was a contemporaneous uh, explanation. You know, exclamation. She's a lawyer talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's hearsay. <laughs> no, it's an excited utterance. <laughs> excited utterance. <laughs> I'm a nurse. I have no I idea what you're talking about. I do about. try cases. <laughs> I can give you guys a catheter and enema. Which one would you like? <laughs> it was it was an excited utterance because it. It occurred spontaneously yeah, on the, the telephone. Normally, the out-of-court statement is not admissible for the truth of the facts asserted. Yeah. I called 911, and, and I was on hold for eight minutes as I'm trying to corral <laughs> this drug-induced, psychosed, naked woman around the street. And then he's texting me, me the whole time yeah. he's on hold. And so I pulled over just to, like, be moral support because it was so horrifying to watch because he's watching her walk around in traffic in Lloyd, at Lloyd Center. I'm like helping put uh, her clothes yeah, on Lloyd her. Center, on road, not just anywhere in Portland. I'm like, you're, all her business was out and and she obviously had a very traumatic life. And and, right, and I think the saddest part was that C-section scar. I just remember, and you sent me like some photos and I just remember thinking... Like obviously, obviously, we need to help her. And Ben was gonna stay until like the well, ambulance. I called, I called 911. I'm like, explain like she's in a drug-induced psychosis. She's yeah. not safe. She's she is um, hallucinating. Um, she's in the middle of traffic. I'm trying to help her put her clothes on. I'm trying to help this woman. And they go, well, is she breathing? I go, yes. And like, well, is she bleeding? No. And like, well, we'll see if maybe we can get a police officer. I waited 20 minutes. I left my cell phone with them. Wait 20 minutes. Nobody showed up. And when I was on the phone, and I felt like it was going nowhere. Like they weren't gonna show up and help this woman. I pulled the elected card I go I'm a I'm a county commissioner and a nurse this woman needs immediate care send somebody they couldn't I know they be- couldn't because, respond I know because they're triaging like homicides and stabbings and overdoses and in the meantime this is just in, to them just quote unquote a nude woman What's I bet you the police show up faster in India than they do in Portland I'll tell you what India has a lot of problems but they do not stand for a lot of this kind of crap that's not allowed. People punching people randomly and stuff. No, they'll go find that person and put them in jail. Whereas here, I don't know if you guys saw this article, this another one where um, a dude a couple days ago uh, pulls a knife on a TriMet bus driver and uh, gets arrested and released in, an, in two hours after booking for Pulling a knife on somebody, not just somebody, a TriMet driver. Oh, he's on mass transit again? Shocker. But what I mean is, is why is this person released in the same on the same day? That person needs to go in jail and stay in jail for a while. I agree with you. And in Washington County or Clackamas County, they would. They but would. somehow these people know where to go and how to get out in two seconds. And well, then yeah, they know where to go because they like Clack- Clackamas. It's like, why would you want to be? I mean, even though there are, I see homeless people now in 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 um, where where my house is, which is not even Milwaukee. It's like unincorporated Clackamas County. There's homeless people that I see there, but it as a homeless person. I can only imagine that you'd want to be in Clackamas County either to scope some stuff out to steal or uh, to get away from the violence that happens in these camps in Portland. But other than that, I mean, Portland would be way, way better as a homeless person. There's way easier access to to buying your drugs, and there's, like, all the places that will give you free food. And there's just... 
And then the police There's don't. no accountability. Yeah, there's no accountability. And we're 48th out of 50th for police. So what happens is, is sometimes these people are so unsafe in their homeless camps and they're so dangerous yeah. and there's so many weapons they want to come out to that they want to come out to Clackamas or yeah. that they've been displaced enough that they will they will come out to Clackamas but a lot of it has to do with like you know I don't want to be raped tonight yeah no I get it I don't want to be assaulted I don't want to have a gun pulled on me within the homeless camps that are quite dangerous um and so, and you know, we share a pretty. And sometimes they don't know the, they. Sometimes they don't know they're in Clackamas. Right. Um, what was that? Champ, KGW. KGW. Tell yeah, that story. I'll well, I'll link. Well, yeah, I'll see if I can find it, and then I'll just play it. Um, but go ahead. Go so, ahead. So, so KGW was was um, really questioning and putting. Um, trying to bring some accountability through some transparency and media to DA. Um, um, Schmidt here in uh, Multnomah County. He seems like a lost cause. I think but, he's just got to be... But what they out. did is they started to compare the tri-county areas between Washington, Clackamas, and Multnomah County. And his prosecution rate... It was about rate, theft. It was about theft. About theft and property crimes, which people use to fuel their drug habits. I think now we know that it's a $1.50 a high um, to get high on fentanyl in, yeah. in the streets of Portland. And that fentanyl's coming from the, um, the, the Tenderloin in San Francisco. Is it really stopping there and then coming up? Yep, we're, that's the hub, and then it comes up the I five from from San Francisco Tenderloin. One of the um, and I know this officer that was in that that they got this footage from. Uh, he's a great guy, great officer, uh, sheriff in Clackamas County. And the guy's like, the criminal's in the back, and he's like, "What? Where are you taking me?" He goes. He goes, that's not the way to the jail. That's the Multnomah County Jail. He's like, oh, oh, you didn't do that crime in Multnomah <laughs> County. And when this suspect, arrested on theft charges, realized he was in neighboring Clackamas County. Now, this is the part Ben was talking about with the officer. So there's a guy. This next segment is a criminal defendant in the back of a squad car. You screwed up. <laughs> that dude, he, like, knew, that dude knew that he would be held accountable. I just, okay, so like psychologists, and whether this is like self-serving or not, they say that, that some of them say that you're not going to make that imprint on somebody, which is, should be the goal of punishment is at least partially or mostly deterrence, right? I think a lot of us in, in Portland, probably area, don't necessarily want to burn somebody at the stake because, you know, they were bad, but it's about deterrence. So that deterrence occurs immediately after the action. And it's the same thing, like, with a dog. Like, unless you punish or do whatever you're going to do to the dog to tell it not to do that right away, it's not going to associate the punishment with the action. And so when you have somebody... Uh, you know, like arguably attempted murder a TriMet driver and you let them out immediately, not only, it was a waste of the police's, the resources all around. It was a waste of even bothering to arrest that person because that arrest did nothing to change that person's behavior. Like, and that person needs to get a strong message that no, you cannot pull a knife on somebody. 
We're not going to allow that in this town. Portland just seems to have lost the plot. It's like you cannot let somebody go for something like that. You can't do that. It's not just deterrence, but it's justice for the guy who had the knife. Sure, him. and the victim. Right. But the justice piece is important. We forget that. Not in Portland. It's not important. Well, that's because Portland they, is that's because they have brain damage from hair dye. Masochistic. No. <laughs> blue Realistically, hair dye. look, I use a lot of hair dye. Not blue I hair like, dye. I, I like think the blue hair dye and the purple hair dye are real dangerous for the You're brain function. You're also talking about getting a million dollar facelift, which you don't need. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was talking about getting a half a million dollar <laughs> facelift. I'm trying to convince her to get the half a million dollar facelift. <laughs> <laughs> oh I don't see the added value of the five hundred thousand as oh much. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh look, Jesus, baby Jesus. Merry all Christmas, the, baby Jesus. All Lord. the vanity. I'm with two gay men, and all the vanity in the room has suddenly been sucked out by the 46-year-old woman. Uh, who is, looks 29 yeah, at best. No, you don't like, need a million-dollar facelift. Hot. Love you. By the way, um, Rational Portland, Kristen, if you don't know this, is super hot. And that's that's from my gay bestie. So take. Am I wrong? But I love Am it, I wrong? But I do love she's like she's super hot. Now no one's gonna object to this. No one's gonna object. That's why I'm like I don't know if you need a that's million dollar facelift. I, that's why I love you both. Yeah. I hang out with Kristen so I can feel prettier. The, Marry me. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is out. Paul would be fine. He'd be like, cool. <laughs> Paul, we could be a throuple. There like, we go. Uh, Chris, hey, it's Portland. Chris Gottschall, we who was on have, here. There would be back Did you hear massages that? Did you hear that episode? And old movies and I have a, I have a, a guest who was in a throuple, and they're still, like, married. Like, That's, not technically, listen, but they are married. To, to Those own. never work out, though. They have been together for <laughs> they, years. Really? Yes. You guys would like him. Like he's he's smart. He's interesting. He's he works for some software company. He was with his husband for a while, and they brought in this other guy, and they've been together for actually a really long time. They must have superpowers because I can barely keep one man down. Well, I I have no interest. They must have superpowers. (laughs) I don't need anybody else to take care of. Oh, I thought okay. I'm not judging you by any means. I do not care. Like, but I. No, I'm not either. But I was just like, and and also I. I think Chris makes most of the money. So when he was talking, all I could do, all I was doing was like feeling terrified about having extra people to take care of. It was just like, please don't tell me you have pets is all I was thinking. Like you have two men and and what, pets too? I know they don't have children, thank God, because then it would be more mouths to feed. But it was just sort of like, I mean, I think they're all accomplished. I just think he's He's probably the the breadwinner. And I think that would be a lot of pressure. software salaries, that's more than enough. Well, sure, but I I just think, God, that's a lot of pressure. I mean... Oh, in case like he... I'm just a nurse and a public servant. I have no idea what that kind of money's like. Uh, (laughs) And you have a gainfully employed, like, not not that they're his husband's. Not not that his husband's Everybody has to work on our home. That is the rules. Yes. Everyone shows up and works. There's dignity in work. That's the rule in our house, too. But but what I will say is your your husband is not that Chris is. like a true Clackamas County guy. Oh, it is so Clackamas. (laughs) Blue collar. No, not blue collar. Hun, what? Clackamas County is not blue collar. Oh, there's tons of blue collar. That's the highest income and property value county. I know, Dom, but Estacada. Estacada, Sandy. Let me tell you another Candy, part of Eagle, Eagle Crick. Let me tell you another story. Eagle okay, Crick. Eagle Crick. What there's a Is it Creek or Crick? I, mean, I, don't, I like Crick. It is Creek. I know uh, it's Creek. I know that's it's a blue collar way of saying it. The only person I know I my mother was raised in was she Pri- from Oklahoma? My mother was raised in Prineville, which was like the <gasps> meth capital. They have Facebook the there now. The only person that I <laughs> 
<laughs> knew from Eagle Creek was a retired uh, couple of lawyers from Newport Beach, California. Uh, that's it's who I know. And in the same community, you could have yeah. a dude living in a double wide. Because I know this yeah, for a fact. Agreed. But but and they're in the same community. Yeah. Like Carver's very blue collar. Uh, Carver also has yes. huge estates. Huge with those. You know when you're driving on the road and you see the 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 gate and it's like ten acres and it's like all and the house is way back on the bluff. Well, you all have like, Dunthorpe and Multnomah County, so I don't want to hear it. It's almost what I'm saying Clackamas. is Clackamas yeah. ain't, <laughs> ain't no pole. It, parts yeah. of it aren't, but parts of it are. Just like everywhere else. We have the else. largest uh, rural like population in the state. And, uh, we have the large, out of all 36 counties, we have the largest rural population. You know, I'll, I'll just say this. It ain't all Happy Valley. The, it isn't all West Lynn and Lake Oswego. A lot of it is. A lot of it isn't. Or I wouldn't have won. Well, that's Do you true. think your vote comes from, do you have a demographic take on your vote? Yeah. What is it? Uh, it's oh, not, did you, did it's you find out? It's not affiliated voters. It's independents. It's very blue collar and Republican. How oh, do you really? know it's blue collar? Did you do demographics? Well, so, because I know when data? I walk into certain parts okay. of the county. Okay. It's anecdotal. It's anecdotal. When, <laughs> when I walk into certain parts of the I'm county. Not, I'm not just Ben, like, ben yeah, is right. relying on vibes I'm right not, now. There's okay. certain vibes, and I can guarantee, okay. like, demographically, non-affiliated voters, some of those Republican voters. Um, there are. They're there, and I, and I can tell what precincts I want. There, you can look at the precincts you want. You know who else is in Clackamas? Is I like, killed it in rural Clackamas is, 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 and some of suburbia. Is 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 like, mom. Owns the house, and like son has, had an intermittent work history and has lived with mom the whole time. Uh, there's the, a lot of those type of poor people in Clackamas County and 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 Multnomah. Yeah, so but in general, Clackamas is an affluent area. Yeah, I can just talk to... Th- I, I had a long conversation with a constituent on the way here that I hung up as I was parking outside of this building. We're having the podcast. Uh, used to be homeless. Uh, wow. Served in the military many years. Um, kind of bootstraps kind of guy. Very blue collar. Um, you would probably call him a kind of disaffected, libertarian, yeah. Trumpian type of guy. Sure. I've um, been there. Yeah. I and voted so, for Trump. <laughs> and so that, <laughs> and, and so that guy was bending my ear about, like, his plight and what's going on yeah, in the county. And he's like, that guy's my voter. That, know, unfor- that forgotten dude you know, is my voter. You know what else about that? You know, and a lot of people, I think things have changed. But why, you know, the thing is, is regardless of whether people, what, whether and what people think about white privilege. Um, oh, Lord. What, I, no, just <laughs> hear me out. There. Why is it that the highest rate of increase of death, like deaths of despair, is in middle-aged white men or older white yeah, men? Yeah, that's the Richard Reeves book. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a huge phenomenon. He writes about that um, so prolifically. That, you know, whether or not you think that's legitimate, part of it is Actually, just look around. Yeah. Who's in the gutter? It's white men. Yeah. And, and part also, of it's Portland. And, Portland's overwhelmingly and white. And you but. see these, like... Like, my dad was like that. Like, these guys with the gray beard. That was my dad, too. Barely kept, sort of yeah. grumpy, like, libertarian type of listen-to-talk radio, like, you know, in the basement. Like, there's a lot of those guys around. Super mentally ill. Yeah, mentally ill, OCD. Um, 
Your dad was brilliant. There's there's a lot of that. What? If I remember right, your dad was quite brilliant. He, he, yeah, was, he was a, a doctor, really yeah. Guy, yeah. Yeah, quite gifted intellectually. Yes, uh, but unfortunately had really bad OCD and mm. was married to my mom, which I would never wish on anyone. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of these types in Clackamas County as well, like who, you know, you're right. There, It is blue collar. I mean, even like if you look at where where my house is, is not particularly well educated. It's like a lot of high school graduates, but they make decent money. A lot of them work in like the sort of um, light industrial warehouse areas out Highway 212, like, um, and you know, so they're not necessarily professionals, but they, you know, they work hard. And but I was just saying, like Milwaukee is like the poorest part of Clackamas County, and Milwaukee isn't that poor. I, I think a lot of Clackamas County, Oregon decides not to look at, but exists in our state. It's like my cousin Eric, who gets up before anybody else and goes to bed last and works insanely hard yeah. and provides an amazing living, runs a small business, puts it all out there for his family, loves his daughters, and just is smart, innovative, and grinds. And he has a beautiful home on multi-acreage outside of Malala. There you go. That's, um, there's a lot but, of that. But he, but, but he is about as salt of the earth and about as caring and loving as a human being gets. And he just grinds and puts in the time um, and is smart about it. I think your story, Dawn, is a little bit like that. I do too. About how you weren't afraid to like be frugal and smart and grind and do what you wanted to do and make your own way and to carve your own path and to decide your own destiny and have your eat, pray, love in India. <laughs> but like you're afforded that for a reason because you made specific choices and did specific things to get yourself to that point to do that. What about people who can't or they're just not there. I th- the Brookings Institute had a phenomenal study on this. They by no means are a left wing, a right wing group. I would no. think they lean more center li- left for center sure. Center left, yeah. Um, they said in America, it's very clear by the statistics. If you want to not be poor, what do you do? You don't have a kid outside of wedlock. You get married statistically, and um, oh my gosh, and you and you graduate high school competently graduate high school. Those are the three fundamental pillars for you to not be poor in America. Yeah, com- combating it's called combating it. poverty, new challenges for families, and I'll link to it in the show notes and what they say is that young people can virtually assure that they and their and Glenn Lowry who I adore, who is an economics professor at Brown and was educated at MIT is a great show called The Glenn Show. Um podcast and and he he repeats this all the time um black economics professor one of our arguments is what the Brookings institute says it based on part of an analysis of census bureau data is that young people can virtually assure that they and their families will avoid poverty if they follow three elementary rules for success one complete at least a high school education two work full-time three wait until age 21 to get married before having a baby that's it That's interesting that you remember that so well, Ben. That's Where did you hear about that? Statistical argument. It, yeah, it's called evidence. Well, it's called data. <laughs> well, but I mean, it's called data. It, I think it. I think the, it plays out. The, the, the It does. I, I agree. The, yeah. Okay. So. 
I mean, by I'm the way, dime. these crackers, they're like butter, and I, I cannot stop eating. They look like something I feed my birds in the backyard. I think there's cheese baked into them. Are these good? Yeah. These are like ridiculous. They have, they're like baked okay. cheese. I know by the way, how to, the I know listeners how to don't be know this, hostess. but we're dining. We're, well, they know because you guys have been eating crackers into the microphone. Okay, but we're having a full charcuterie realness. Actually, you know when you put the whole thing in your mouth and keep your lips closed? That's what I was doing with the crackers. I was trying so to you didn't it. hear any crunch from this. I'm sorry if I'm a heavy chewer. I'm sorry if I'm heavy chewer. But this is real good. It is what it is. If they want to hear... Bring a guy to Italian the, wine, bring charcuterie. Bring guy to the city. He can't even close his mouth when he's eating. Listen, I'm from here. <laughs> he's talking while he's eating. I'm from here. <laughs> he is from here. Yeah. Yeah, actually. I'm six generations. Six so generation th- Oregonian? Yeah. I am five. On my mommy's side. On my dad's side. I'm like four on my dad's side. Four or five? But my relations had no interest in living in this crap hole of a city. <laughs> I think Oregon's were saving. So where did they go? Well, the Wallowa County, when they came from... Oh, I love Wallowa County. From, it's uh, beautiful. From Northern Ireland, they stopped in West Virginia and then came to Wallowa County. And then my grandpa came to, to like, uh, Clackamas County. Uh, actually, he lived in Selwood for a while. I wish he'd kept that house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Selwood, Oregon City. My parents live in Overlook in North Portland. I um, I mean, this state is pretty spectacular if, if some idiot leaders would stop trying to ruin it. What are the... Okay, but, see, I... Realize you're a politician now, and congratulations! It couldn't happen to a better guy. No, I think you have a real future, and oh, I'm really happy too. that yeah. you're that you're speaking that voice needed to be spoke. Um, but where was I even going with that? There's a but coming. No, that was what I meant. Too but there was wine. a but. Oh, the the <laughs> there was a but. But but yes, but you have to speak that way. But I, I find that a lot of times you le- like I want to know a little more detail. So, like you said, and I realize that there's an art to that. You don't necessarily want to give too much detail because... Oh, my Oregon's amazing? No. What? Who is it that's plotting its destruction, and what are they doing? Um, you've had one-party rule for um, my entire lifetime. Agreed. And this is exactly the results you get from what? their policies. I, can, I think we agree on the results, but what do you think are the policies that have really made it happen? What we need to talk about a specific issue within Oregon state policy on what issue that's been. That's a pretty broad question. For me, okay, so for we me, talk about homelessness again or addiction. The big one is this: I think they raise the taxes too high, and they're not. Then and they're not. There's just no accountability on the way the money is spent. Mm-hmm. I think that's my number one problem. That's a big problem. Yeah. But if you want to get to specifically the human despair and crisis we're facing, where 80 to 100 people a month are dying in Oregon, this started to happen with the lessening of accountability around um, criminality from uh, 2017 and even before then in the legislature where they begin to reduce penalties. Um, one one thing that's interesting to note is that, let's see if I can remember this. Um, in 2017, they reduced um, the penalties for drug possession uh, in this Oregon legislature to a misdemeanor, not oh, a felony. Even before 110. Before 110, right? Yeah. So there was like, they're already reducing this, right? You can also look at like um, the serial rapist being released 
on commutation um, back into the community after ser doing serial rape offenses. Are those just one-offs, or it's well, like Kate a Brown commuted a whole bunch of people right. that were violent criminals, um, the most that. heinous of violent criminals, right? So we have this culture of um, of always placating to the criminal and never worrying about society and the victims okay. in Oregon. And we have the situation now with the with the drug possession thing, before we really had fentanyl like create and exasperate the problem, is did you know now because of Oregon law that you can have a misdemeanor that used to be a felony and go to Cabela's and buy a gun? Okay, so can you, you talk more about that what, please? I, because that went by me. So because of legislation passed in 2017 what used to be a felony and prohibit you from buying a weapon no longer uh, prohibits you from buying a weapon because they made it a misdemeanor. What kind of crimes? Um, drug crimes. Okay. Right? That used to be a felony. Like selling. Yeah. Um, I think selling drugs should stop you from being able to buy a gun because those things it is are so easier, related. It is yeah. easier to purchase a firearm in Oregon because of Democrat policies, but they'll virtue signal every single day and try to take my gun away as a law-abiding right. citizen that's but never committed a crime and never will. Holding their right, yeah. but they'll make it easier. But they'll make it easier for the guy who should never have a gun to have a gun yeah. and then make it my problem as a law-abiding Second Amendment guy. Yeah. Right. And listen, like. One of the what people ask, well, Ben, how can you be a gay Republican? Listen, this is the wine speaking now. I don't know. Oh, I get it. I voted for Trump. <laughs> right. Okay. I, went into I love how he's just like, I did it. I did you it. can say that now because you're going back to India in a minute. No, but we should I talk about I don't regret this. it. I wouldn't do it again, but I did do it. And, and Don uh, so explained. I, I thought Don it. had I think, a good I think I heard your explanation. Listen to that I thought podcast. it was good. Yeah, it was good. Um, but my thing is, is you want to whittle away and make it more difficult for me as a very informed, law-abiding citizen who cherishes the Second Amendment. My right to self-preservation and protection is incredibly careful, who passes that same tradition down to my own son as my grandfather passed to my dad who passed to me. And you want to make it difficult for me to have that natural right to do that. But you'll turn around in a duplicitous way under some type of social justice and make it easier for the drug dealer and the addict to get their gun. And we they, they pass through the systems that are in place and their background checks in place to prohibit dangerous people from getting those guns. And then you want to politicize it and make it as if I'm the victim or I'm, I'm the perpetrator because I believe in the Second Amendment. So I, I, I just think that, like, it is not just Measure 110. It has been election cycle after election cycle of hyper-progressive, ideologically driven politicians funded by big, powerful unions that have corrupted the state and have brought no balance to Oregon. And now we have one of the most beautiful and epic places on earth to live, completely living in human despair because of their bad policies. Bad policies and bad leaders create bad outcomes, and this is what we're complaining about. Yeah, I just wonder, I feel like in order to try to address it, you have to be able to speak their language on some level if you want to try to bridge the gap. And so I think it makes sense to try to figure out what is it, they must have had some reason for doing this, right? Like, and I guess what it was was they, they think, okay, like here's a good example of this. And I think it helps you to think about this as a, as a politician. If, not that I want to give you advice, but... Um, <clears throat> it's like, because uh, you're obviously successful at it on your own. Um, but, like, uh, for example, one of the things you commonly hear is that the, the war on drugs failed. Well, is this succeeding? 
Like, and I often want to say that to people who say that. They were like, the, the war on drugs failed. Okay, so now this is better? This is this is success? Like, yeah. it, it failed. What was the alternative? Super like, powerful, simple question. Like, it's just, you know, what... It, I feel like the war on drugs, if you compare it to this not a war on drugs, actually did succeed. You know, because this is the worst it's ever been. And... So I think there was a lot of people in, in particularly in this city who are living in La La Land and we got to bring them back. Uh, and I think they but are the coming polling, back. The yeah. polling says we brought them back. Okay. The polling says yeah. the majority want 110 repealed. But then you've got these vested interests really like yes, you pushing do. against it. Like, yes, you like, do. Like, like yeah. genderless wrote it. <laughs> no, he's, genderless wrote it is not a vest. Well, he's a mouthpiece maybe. But a like the, the thing that's funded by George Soros. And again, the drug I'm not an anti-Semite. Drug Policy Alliance here yeah, together yeah. locally. Um, you have very, very. Listen, who did the Drug Policy Alliance give money to? It's easy to see on our star. Tina Kotek. Tina Kotek and many of the far-left progressive ideologues sure. that continue to po- promote this broken system. Here's the thing is I have no patience for Because on the county, I have to deal with this. I have to solve real problems. I have to fill your potholes, and I have to get the homeless person off the street, and I have to provide treatment, and I have to deal with bad policy out of the legislature. It is the legislature's job to begin to pass real reforms that get people the care that they deserve in our communities. Part of the problem here is this measure 110 wasn't new money. Like every acts like, oh, we just got cannabis. No, we always had cannabis money, people. We always had alcohol taxes and cigarette taxes. But these politicians in Salem, they are greedy as hell for your money for their special interests and their yeah. special little pet projects well, they and they just, never once cared about the dude that was living on the streets yeah. dying in despair and then when fentanyl hit it they got hyper ideological they want to decriminalize everything and they and as all the social unrest happened and they still to this day going into the short session we just got a long session are very unlikely to do anything of substance besides nibble around the edges while I get to step over dead bodies what it's would you immoral them, what would you have them do I would have them pass strong reforms that fit a recovery-oriented system of care and mean? provide a recovery-oriented system of care. It's a, a good question because the Drug Policy Alliance kept talking about treatment, and we know we didn't get detox. We didn't get detox. We didn't get treatment. A recovery-oriented system of care looks at an entire care continuum, and it begins to fill the gaps in that care. What where does we that la- mean, though? Yeah, get a little more specific. What's I a care continuum? What do you begin with? A care continuum. Yeah. Okay. A care continuum is you have somebody that's street-level homelessness, to the point of endpoint of recovery, and there's all these m- meaningful steps along the way from where they're street level homeless to where they're fully recovered. Okay, and there's all of these aspects that we have divested from from state, like detox centers, right? We like residential care, yeah, residential like care all needed. of these different things that we absolutely need that are compassionate and compel people yeah. towards care. And, and we intervene you know and they can no longer radi- uh, rationalize or advocate for themselves any longer. And so, what it does, it also understands that we are all stakeholders business is a stakeholder, faith is a stakeholder, government's yeah. a stakeholder, um, uh, family's a stakeholder. There's all these stakeholders that help people build capital back in their life so that they can have some resiliency and they can begin the recovery process from point one from, with accountability mm-hmm. 
from point A to full so self-sufficiency. What is Multnomah County doing? Multnomah that County is, is um, buying people um, snorting kits, tin foil, <laughs> and they decided to teach boofing. people how to boof. Boofing harm kits. Would you oppose that to harm reduction? I'm literally trying to understand because yeah, obviously harm I'm reduction not is debating you. No, I just yeah, no know. so harm reduction. There's aspects of harm reduction that are absolutely yeah, evidence based. We're not based, totally opposed but, to harm reduction, but there are also parts of it that have been completely captured ideologically by the far left. Yeah. That basically is full autonomy and no accountability and. This is what happens with full harm reduction. Don, I I just love you so much. You're oh you're pa- oh oh you're, you're you're dying from the from the needle I just gave you. Let me Narcan you back to life, and then give you a new needle. We'll start Narcan you back to life, again. bring you a new needle. And, Narcan yeah. you, and it's this vicious, yeah. icky washing machine, enabling right that never allows someone to have the hope of healing and recovery, and we just allow people to subsist. And this dysfunction and despair, and we never offer them more than, no, you have potential worth and value, and we're going to help you capture that again in your life, and we might have to help hold you accountable, but we're not going to enable you to commit suicide slowly in front of us. Yeah. It's a different framework. There's a philosophical difference. Right. Yeah. Fully philosophical difference. But I believe these worldview inform our actions. Yeah. Well, and also, I think... (sighs) We can see the results of, you know, and I think a lot of these people, the left, far left and this type of people will say, well, we just haven't fully implemented it. But really, we have been implementing this, the, the, the so wave, the wave, so of, immoral. the wave of the, this thing that has been going on for, like you say, quite some time now. And I think you have to be ideologically blind not to, we were already seeing the results of that very permissive enabling type of thing is this actually better than the war on drugs i don't think it is i think there are more people i mean when you look outside here where we are there is tremendous suffering i've been to jail like and to be honest like you Wait, know, how have you been? Not to jail? just just for a couple nights, but what? I actually broke a window in college protesting at the book prices of the those college bookstore. <laughs> His nerdy ass got <laughs> in jail. I was for protesting book prices. I was Antifa. Listen, you Antifa wannabe. You were yeah. for book prices. And his you're, hidden yeah, IV colored. This smart asshole motherfucker was no, pro- now, arrested for and for book prices. Now they had to lower their prices and allow people to buy the books. From Look at you. Not the college monopoly, but. Uh, yeah, He's so still I got on a soapbox. I got a, yeah, no, it was like terrible. A, a used book for like $50? Like, I love you, Don. And, and you couldn't financially. But all of us who went to college remember that. You, you couldn't financial aid your books. You had to pay no, cash. No, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and it would like make me so I had no money. Look at you. you yeah. Went, you, look at so you going to jail for the student. to jail for that. You're so, such a man of the people. Uh, uh, what I'm saying is, is like that jail ain't that bad. Like, in fact, all I did. Are there you was, talking about mo- which well, jail? Well, I went was to Lewis County at- Jail the last time, which was in 2020. Lewis, where's Lewis County? I w- I decided to drive to Seattle in the middle of the night because I was born there and I was feeling in a bad place. So, 
And actually, it was an Antifa guy that I, that that I had like befriended outside of the new seasons because I was like, here, let me buy you <laughs> a bottle of champagne. Oh, I remember you telling let me that. Let me outside of new seasons. Buy you a bottle of French champagne. <laughs> or inside. And we <laughs> jumped. <laughs> we jumped the fence at the Rhododendron Gardens. Oh, and Jesus drank Lord. champagne. And then Are you sure didn't go to read? Wait, did you go to read? He went to read. You had to have gone to read. This is a read story. No, we actually he he went to more of a a smarter hoity toity read. William and Mary. Oh no. A Williams. Oh, oh, way, way higher than William and Mary. Okay. No, this is this is like Little Harvard. I know. I know this school. Look it up, y'all. It's no joke. Oh, in New Zealand. Harvard took a nosedive this week. I'm pretty sure Williams is <laughs> much more prestigious Williams now than Harvard. Williams is raking in all the money from Penn yeah. and Harvard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so the point is, is the jail really isn't that bad. I mean, it depends on where where people are, but a lot of the left makes it seem like 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 jail is just this worst thing ever. And to be honest, like it's not great. The you know, you're, you, the food is terrible. You may get, um, depending on where you are, abused and stuff. But So this Antifa guy was, like, hanging out outside of the new seasons, and I was like, hey, you know, just l- let's drink. And so to a total stranger, and then so we, like, hopped the fence of the, the rhododendron gardens and drank, and then I was like, yeah, let's keep this party going or whatever. And so we, my dad had just Who died. Who hops the fence of the rhododendron gardens? That's where we used to drink in high school. Listen, I, not in Nopo, we didn't. Yeah, that was that was the best place to go to drink. Okay, wow. Yeah, because you can hop the fence and then go. It's beautiful in there. There's all this like these lakes. They don't let stuff. us Nopo kids into the rhododendron gardens over by Reed College. They don't have to let you in. You just hop the fence. Uh, listen, maybe I was too I was too good as a kid. Well, anyways, I didn't drink. So I didn't get drunk my first time until I was like 25. So that's a whole nother topic. The Antifa kid was you, such yeah, a little. Yeah, I wasn't interested in that kind of thing either early on. Were you drinking early? <laughs> I didn't in drink life? that much in life. Yeah. No, I mostly. Uh, you couldn't have given pot. your trajectory. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I think. Yeah, I mean, when I was fourteen. I think my parents went to Australia, and then um, they were gone for two weeks. When you were fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. That's a different life than. Uh, me, yeah. yeah. My parents were very negligent. They were very. Yes, they were. Yes, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Very my dad worked two dollars. My dad worked like two jobs to send me to private school, and my mom stayed at home. You didn't need to go to private school in Clackamas County. I didn't go to private school I in know. Clackamas County. What I, mean I lived is, in Nopo. I lived in Clackamas County, so we don't need to spend fifty thousand dollars a year because our schools are actually decent. Uh, I know I send my kid to one of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. He's a senior in high school right yes, now. Yes, you do. Yeah. Uh, and he's a great We just did our first college player. Yeah, we just did our first college visit this week. Okay, where, where, where did you go? No, let's change the And, oh and did Jay like are we changing, it? Are we doing a, a Well, yeah, a, let's talk a about diversion? your son. Wait, yeah. but you were telling... Are you sure? I don't want to... Oh, no, we should wrap up with Don, because oh, Don has a good saying, story. Jail isn't that bad, but the Antifa guy, so like... So, I used to be a prison so, nurse. My dad, yeah. my dad, that just brings up porn to me. But oh, uh, what? <laughs> edit. <laughs> the, the, like, I don't know what that says about the, you. The, that was not. Oh, that okay. was not what came to my the, mind. But. Commissioner West did not make that statement the, for the uh, record. <laughs> like so, like these little Antifa punks. Like actually, some of like some of them. Like they they mean well on some level, and so like you know. It was like my dad had just died and he left me his sports car. And so I was like, let's go for a ride, which is what you should do after drinking two bottles of wine. 
And that's facetious. Um, and so we're driving up to Seattle, and he goes, he goes to me, because this is like, I normally drive very slow, like having uh, had issues with the police in the past, I just always drive usually five miles under, including if I've been drinking or anything. And um, he goes, you're driving like a pussy. And I'm like, he's like, pass this guy. And so like I went out, I, I, I like got in the left lane, and I was driving a sports car, so I pressed down on the so gas. So you're in a sports car with an Antifa guy? And I, and it, you know, obviously the pickup was way more than my 98 Acura Integra. And uh, it just, like, punches it, you know, and then it's like, boop, boop. And, like, uh, and so they pull me over. And, and, and this was, like, in 2020, right? So I go, uh, you just might be. I'm like, they're like, who's that guy with you? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I, that's the first time I ever met him. And, like, uh... He's from Antifa, <laughs> officer. And I, go, and I go, officer, he's from Antifa. And the officer goes, the officer goes, uh, we got an Antifa in the car. And he calls for backup. All these cop cars show up. Are you serious yes, right now? all these cop cars show up. And they're like, we got Antifa in the car. Was her name Genderless Rodent? And, like, no, it was a guy. <laughs> and it could be, though. You Wait, never know. It might be, it it might be Genderless like, Rodent. You don't know. Is Genderless Rodent a girl, dude? And I, I was, have no idea. I was genderless. I was I was pissed at the guy. And you're also the yeah. one who was incited by an Antifa saying that you drove like Since a pussy. Since when does Antifa use so, the word pussy when you're driving? <laughs> Antifa has a genderless. Unless they're talking about Trump. They have a lot of double <laughs> right. standards. You should hear what the yes, stuff that they, they do. Yeah. And so anyway, so the, to wrap that story up, so they go, this is the funny part about it, because I'm like, they call all this backup, and the guy like wouldn't get out of the car, right? I mean, he put me in that cop car. I had my little chihuahua with me. I was like, please don't. I was like, please don't take him to the kill shelter. So I was like, I was all drunk. I was like, you're going to kill my dog. And they're like, no. So they let the dog ride. I was like cuffed in the back and my dog was like sitting on my lap. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Your gay ass is cuffed in the back with a chihuahua in your lap. Don't act like you didn't love it. Do not act like you didn't love it. And then they let the, and so like. All they, your fantasies were coming true. And they took me to the station and let the chihuahua play. And he. Is this on your podcast right now? The cop was so nice. I mean, we were just talking about police brutality and the chihuahua. <laughs> we're and just having deep philosophical. Funny enough, he was like, you know, that's important work. Somebody has to keep us, you know, in line. The, the, There's something else going on the here. The Antifa guy, though. The Antifa guy. This is what I'm wrapping the story up with. They go, I go, what What'd you guys do with him? They're like, oh, we, we finally got him out of the car. He wouldn't get out. And then they, so we, he's like, it took us like four cops to get him out of the car. And they're like, we just took him to the next off ramp. And, le- and just let him out in the middle of, like, nowhere, Washington. <laughs> they just let him out at 4 a.m. <laughs> like, right there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, that was funny. But... They just let him out in the middle of the... I picked him up at the new season on Woodstock. And <laughs> of course. Halfway in between Seattle and Portland on the side of the freeway. With like Hitchhiking his way back at home. At 4 a.m. I wonder how he got back Did here. he call a comrade to come get him? <laughs> I don't know. Relief. That's what mutual, they call each other. Mutual, mutual aids. Mutual aid. Mutual aid yeah. comrades. There was a GoFundMe for his jail support. His jail support. Remember like back in 2020 how they were like being like... Asking, like, begging each other for, like, rent and different things and being, like... Get a job. (laughs) 
Begging for rent. Get a fuck. Oh, can I say F that word on your? Get a fucking it's job. It's hard when you're addicted to opiates. Listen, it's it's real hard in a lot of Not aspects of life. Not all of them are addicted to you know, opiates. You know what I told my own son? I don't know if this is going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyways. I told my own son this. He came home and he was like, Dad, but this happened to me and I've had this hard thing in my background and that's why I couldn't get the good grade on this test. And Jay has had a hard, a He has, life. he has. He goes, and I couldn't get this good grade on my test, Dad. I couldn't do this. And I looked at him and he was about 16 years old and it's the first time he, I've ever spoke to him this way. And I go, I go, Papa and I love you. We, we'll take, help you get through that. But at the end of the day, son, the world doesn't fucking care. No. You have to show up. You have to show you, the fuck you have up. A very, you have a, a very bootstraps type. I of, don't know. Look at America. It's why it made us the greatest country in the face of the earth in human history. Is it the greatest country in the earth? You've benefited from it. Have I? Yes. You're doing Eat, Pray, Love in India. Yes, you have. Okay. With your very bougie law degrees. Yes, you have. We've all heard your episode where you talked about how it wasn't hard yes. for you to make a lot of money. I am not going to apologize for loving oh, America okay, and Western okay, civilization. Okay, okay. I get it. I get it. But what I mean is, is like, it, in, it, there are many, many. Okay, so like, why is it that the United States is the only country that the lifespan is going down? That's actually a bullshit statistic. Okay, tell me. Because a lot of those countries that have to report on that list don't have the same accuracy or the ethics in the reporting that we do. And we also have a larger homicide rate with, me, with vehicle mortalities than most Western civils, most Western world. So it is not a comparable of apples to apples. I would much rather have cancer and get treatment in America than anywhere else in the world. Sure, we, we have the largest five-year survival rate after it being diagnosed. Other countries, you don't get the cancer. Yes, you do get cancer in other countries. There's just there's a lot of stress listen, do we in need, this country. Listen, do we need more prevention? Do we need to be healthier? Lifestyle do we need to be less fat? Do, is it lifestyle yeah. issues? Fair. But if you want the most state-of-the-art care on the globe with sure. the best innovation, it's in America. But, but That's why the wealthy sends their people our, to our, our nation to get right, treatment. And then they live in a country that can they, where they can be healthier. Our, our medical system is making us sick. Listen, I'm not going to argue that our medical systems, there's this, we do not have another two hours for this ben kind of conversation. Is a nurse. But what happens is, but what I firmly believe is, is you look at overall the life expectancy scratch. Um, I think our overall, um, uh, the overall flourishing of human civilization um, is best within the Western world. And I think that's due to our value system. And I think the most innovations and the most creativity and the most human success has happened in the United States for a reason. And it's based core on our value system, which is much different than anywhere else in the world. I won't apologize for it, but I also know that I if, I gradu- if I graduate high school, if I'm careful about when I have kids and if, um, uh, what was the other one? Kids, high school, and I and I'm gainfully get a job, and I get yeah. a job, and I'm gainfully employed and married, married. Then I'm but but wait to have the baby and wait to have the baby. Married. I am going to not be poor, and very few countries in the world can say that. I also know as a gay man that I can live free and proud and yeah. out and elected and be a voice for my community and voice for my neighbors. And in many places in this world, I can't travel to on vacation because it's not safe for us to and go And you have an interracial family. You have a black son. I'm glad, I'm glad you have that. I'm glad. I, I honestly really respect you for having that, that positivity about both where you live and this country that I also share, you know, being from here. So I, I really respect that. Uh, I don't... Wine. I, I'm getting I wine. Get it. 
Get it. We listen. This charcuterie, this charcuterie board is this devastated. Is this is why, this the crackers. We are to, munching on crackers. This is why I wanted to. It has been devastated. You're, good thing I didn't bring the whiskey because this has been a pretty raw podcast. It, it has. Yeah. No. Yeah. This no, is, is that in a good way or it's not? It's been unfiltered. Yeah. Uh, this is quite unfiltered. I think that. Although you're rarely filtered, either of you, I feel like. So I'm trying this. Maybe hard. it's just. Are me. you trying to filter? Well, John, Don is. Uh, Don's bringing out the rowdiness in me. Is that bad? No, I love this man. He's intellectually challenging you. You know, you get a special bond with somebody when you camp <laughs> with them in the rain. You, you get know a what? Special bond. I feel like Don and I have a special bond, and I never had to camp in the rain. I mean, you don't seem like much of a rain camper. I'm not a rain camper. We were rain camping in August. <laughs> we were like, we might as well have been Lewis would, and Clark on the trail because it was to your hair. And it was rugged. If you were rain camping, Dom, you just hit the nail on the head. We were not REI exactly cute right. either. We were roughing it. It, it would be We couldn't get a fire. <laughs> Everybody was bundled up. It was, you know, we were eating beans out of the can. And this was August. It was August, okay? And a bunch of gay men Which is why I... frigid, just shaking and shattering their teeth, not looking cute at all. But we roughed it. We got it through. The tents are soaked. Your sleeping bag is wet. Nothing well, cute about it. Well, the nice thing is, is both of us liked, liked cooking. We and did. so it was nice to cook and every, keeps everyone to happy. To cook in the rain? Well, there's... You so had, the, like, a shelter thing, or something? No, the, 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 yes. We where, bonded where the, in turmoil. Where the, ki- where the kitchen area was was sheltered. It sounds like turmoil to me. Yeah, but the problem was all the tents are <laughs> out in the rain. And I don't know if you've ever been to the North Cascades. But it's wet. That's wet. It's that's wet. So wet. I mean, it's a rainforest. It's a rainforest. Yeah, even in August. way wetter than Why there. would you do this to yourself? Because that's where the gay campground That's was. where the gay campground was. And it was wet. Oh, so wet. So the wet. The North Cascades, Mount Baker area. But you knew that it would be. You didn't I, need. Do I you didn't, need to I go gay camping? Springs Eternal. Listen, we're driving <laughs> up to the campsite, and I'm like, "Oh, it's August. It's gonna be so nice." He's like, "It's gonna rain." I'm like, "It's gonna rain. It's August." He was like, "It always rains." I'm like, "It always rains." He's like, "We're gonna get wet." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Get ready because it is going to rain on you. It does every year." I had never been. I haven't been since either. And he was right. It was a. F- it was like. A couple hours of, in the day, it would be a torrential downpour. <laughs> then it would be sunny, and then it would be a couple hours of raining, yeah. and then be, that's about as good as it gets. And I thought that, to be honest, I thought there were vampires there, and that's where they filmed um, Twilight. It's really because it was it was gloomy like that. It was wooded like that. I was like, we're gonna get the male vampires out of the woods. But what are you gonna do? All and the that, gays that live in Seattle. That's where they go. So that's where they go. So that's where you can't have to you go. hang with them in Seattle and out of the Listen, campground. Listen, I have a camper now. Rain. If I ever go back, the camper's <laughs> coming with me, and that I will not be in the tent. But to be fair, that place is pretty fun. You can stay in my camper. Yeah, like that's what I would do. The if next you can time. come back from India, because the thing is, it's like I got a camper when now. You, when you none just of this sounds fun. Have to me. a normal tent, and it's I'm bringing you down. You're not bringing me. Oh, you're coming. I'm it's not coming. Oh my I love god, you. you're coming. <laughs> it's fine. I'm gonna I love get you. You're gonna be so oh cute. So we're gonna fun. get you ready. <laughs> we know what the environment's like now. We're gonna weather it. We have a cute camper, and you're gonna be looking just yeah. all REI, mm. lands and Pendleton cute. I am. Upset. Imagine how cute your boots are going to be. I'm really upset. Your boots are going to be so cute. By everything you just said. But what's the rain going to do to her hair? 
and this whole the Listen, whole appearance. Listen, girl, we can do. That's where you get to do a bun, and you get to wrap it up, <laughs> and you get you get a cute little like a little stocking cap with it. Listen. You listen, in my Ben, I am not a good multi-generational Oregonian unlike you. Listen, I didn't ask you to go rugged hunting with me. This sounds rugged. Is this the weirdest gay conversation you've ever had on your podcast or in this oh, ever for happened? Sure. Well, Ben is helping me get cracker off my You're face, good. I think. Yeah. You're good. Okay. Stunning as ever. Yeah. <laughs> Stunning ben as ever. Ben keeps me good looking. Ben keeps Stunning me good looking. So like, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, what's the million dollars going to do? I mean, why mess with perfection? Girl, you don't need uh, you don't need one scalpel on that anytime, gorgeous face. Anytime I I'm having low self esteem, I'm just gonna call Ben. Oh my! And Dawn. I was like, God, his compliments for you. I know. I'm just gonna call Ben and Don. Well, Don's more expensive to call because he's in India. No, now. no. Don oh, and WhatsApp. I talk on WhatsApp. 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 We need to get our WhatsApp connected. Yeah, you do. I'm gonna be back here, and I I had actually wanted to hang out again. It's just that where do you stay? You're so busy right now. I'm staying in Clarkness. He is so where? busy. But I'm gonna rent that out. Where at your house? Yeah. You can always stay at our house. Really? Yes, we have a guest bedroom. Oh, we... Oh, that's going to be rowdy, but I like it. Bring bring it on. Come on yeah, over. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think that's like... Come live in the, the suburbs I hope with you, us. I hope you don't change, like, as you as you do your politician thing in the sense that... He hasn't at all. Yeah, you you know, it's like the, there's a... Yeah, just don't get all fake. Oh, wait. Ben? Fake? Yeah, <laughs> you don't do that well. Uh, they would see right through it. Ben's on his second bottle of wine. I am on a live hot mic. Yep. I don't think fake is gonna yep. enter into it. And, well, if, and if necessary, I'll call an Uber because I'm a responsible person. Let's do that. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh like to, let's have fun. But um, I just think that the the politicians like in this state need. To become less polite. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> that's that's me. right. And so I think there's a real role. That for is you. Ben, but I, th- yeah. I agree, and that's why I think there's a populist vibe of people who are really interested in hearing what Ben has to say because he just says what he means. I, I definitely am a populist type of politician. I, I fit with that vibe. But there are people, Ben, who and so is Betsy Johnson. I think don't. Uh, yeah, I agree. And you know, I don't know. That's she, why I like I, her. She so she came out to the Lentz Livability Livability Association meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'd never seen her in person, and it was great. I mean, she brought like Trimet there, and um, we grilled them, and she was sitting there for it. It made her really uncomfortable because I guess she had pulled some strings to get him there, and. We really let him have it, and uh, but she was really respectful towards towards us. Uh, she was a very powerful senator. No, she's yeah. into lens. She like, was a very, very, very powerful senator. She's into the forgotten areas of Oregon generally, but particularly in Portland. Well, and that's the thing with Lentz, and like you're saying about you, what you, who you feel is your constituency in Clackamas County, I believe you probably have a, a broader appeal. But I think, uh, I think he does, uh, yeah. But um, that idea of, so like, for example, in this, you know, it's not that different in Clackamas County. I mean, so you got somebody in Lentz who's like, um, yes, they're probably white. I mean, our minorities in Lentz are usually not homeowners. There are some. My boxing coach is one. Um, but is that that, that boxing um, uh, school or business? Yeah, yeah. that's like about. epic. That place yes, is like is. that place is like legendary. Can we plug that Lentz. one more time, please? Wait, do you yeah. know that that place is like the. Sh- 
Yeah, it's a great gym. I keep asking if I can cuss. It's a great gym. That place is the shit. It's a great gym. They've got the best, uh, the best fighters in Oregon. Tell us what it's called, where it is. It's called American Top Team, which is actually I found out is a licensed brand uh, across the U.S. But the this Oregon branch is great. It's on 92nd and Flavel, which. Favelle is one of the worst streets in Portland, but you know they have their own parking lot. It's got it's fenced in, um, and uh, it's real. And uh, I mean, and so uh, what else? Like yeah, so the, they're mostly MMA, but they've got a great boxing coach, Brian Sanchez, um, and uh, just really, if you want the best fighters in Oregon, that's where they are. And it's not just fighting. Because martial arts is way more than just fighting. I'm 47. Is it MMA or is it, or is it also just, just boxing, pure There's boxing? both. It tends towards more people there do MMA, and, that, and, and, and that's one of Brian's point. I mean, there may be a space for, you know, a more boxing-focused thing, but it's both. Okay. More MMA, but Brian is the best boxer in Oregon, and he's working there. Uh, as the boxing coach and there is a boxing ring uh, you know a really nice one and all the bags it's just that the MMA side well, MMA got real trendy um, well Joe Rogan yeah yeah over the last 20 20 years 25 years boxing is now eclipsing it in a certain way because the thing about MMA is if you're someone like us who were you know kind of you know on the right side of 40 like uh, you can get injured in MMA with knees and stuff because you're down on the ground. Whereas boxing, if you don't want to full-on spar, like, and you just train at it and, and just spar where it's a friendly spar, you're never going to get injured. And that's why I like it. It's just a great mind-body, like, connection. See, a lot of workouts, uh, whatever they are at the gym, are really just working out your body. But what boxing does, or sports, but we're getting too old for sports. I mean, you'll get injured playing soccer or whatever what the benefit of sports is that it's requiring your brain to be connecting with your body in the sense of coordination and planning your moves out and and really kind of existing as a whole between your mind and your body and that i believe is the best form of exercise rather than doing like a a a workout uh where you're doing like um in a gym where you're just trying to burn those quads or or you know bike on the exercise bike or or whatever like with boxing like you're you're trying to to move your body together with your mind and strategize and i just think it's the best workout around and 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 it really like when you have a really good trainer who's like like brian is like the the best boxer in oregon and probably one of the best boxers on the west coast um he is so motivating and you know our sessions can function as therapy as well almost like he's just a really positive person and he's very encouraging and you know you can just you don't even really need to see a therapist either like it's just great stuff i think and it's 60 dollars an hour so it's cheaper than a therapist I just call Kristen when I need a therapist, and I just talk on the phone. We do. No, we talk on the phone I'm like, for girl, hours. I'm having a bad day, and I'm going to have to let you have it. And we do. And sometimes I cry. Sometimes I cry. Well, so there you go. I mean, everybody needs that. 
I think. You just, I'm not good at therapy, but I'm good at. You're good at. I'm listening. good at my friends. You're good at letting I'm me cry. I'm good with friends. You know, it's, this. Don, I'm gonna call your ass in India through WhatsApp and be like, I'm having a bad day. Something you have to. There, look, not a, it's not for everyone. Like, but I mean, my husband loves him some therapy. I, I have two therapists. Oh, two. <laughs> yeah, and three two. if you count Ben. Girl has two. <laughs> yeah, three if you count Ben West. Oh my Lord Jesus, my husband loves him some therapy because when his too. company gives him like, you get ten free sessions a year. He is using all 10. Oh, me too. I yeah. Mean, to me, I'm just like, wait. I just call my homies up. You're going to, well, not, see, this is the thing, Ben. I think that you're, you're a, being such a bad nurse right now. You're a very, ben, ben, you're a very successful person. So not everyone. No, that's right. Not everybody. Not needs everybody that. is. And, right. and, and one of the, the if I had one, and, and I want to make this a, a constructive, if it's even possible, and it probably isn't, so it's going to come off wrong. If I had one critique of your political philosophy, it's just that, it's just that there is, there's a lot of people who aren't capable of doing these things that you're saying. And, and I think you want to believe that they are, and on some level they might be, but the fact of the reality as the way it is, which, which, which just is the way it is a lot of times is there, you know, some of these people are not, they already had the kid when they were 15. They already got sexually abused when they were 12. They already, you know, didn't do the, whatever those three things you're supposed to do. That's just the reality. They're too and, late. And I that. would, and I yeah. would say, I know those people, but you give them a little bit of a safety net and they can still flourish. Right. But I will not ever endorse anything that forever enables them or forever keeps them in a place of being stagnant or not Victim achieving culture. The, or victimizing or not achieving yeah, their full potential. I want to believe that even if you make a mistake, that we're a culture that will help you achieve still the best you that you can be and um, never keep you forever shackled to any system, any government or anyone else that you can be free to achieve what you want to achieve. Um, and that's the single mother, like my sister, that's the, the person who had um, drug abuse issues, but got through treatment and recovery through Clackamas County and now maybe owns a small business. That's the, um, the immigrant that came over from West Africa and worked their ass off, went through night school and was successful. If you show up, if you work your ass off, if you have the right integrity and the right mindset and you want to contribute to the culture that gave to you, you can achieve anything. But what if you don't have that? And that's an issue of culture, not government. That's an issue. Society has its own duties that government can never fulfill. Okay. Okay, good. I'm glad glad we got there. Because I can never, the government's never going to fix it all. It can't. So what I hear you saying is, is that you're in government and you see a fairly or at least a, a conceptually describable set of duties for yourself and for government and 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 you want to focus on that correct yeah and then so things that don't fall in that purview you're like you know what those are issues but they're not an issue that i can do in my role as a as a politician one of the biggest reasons why portland is sick is because it doesn't have community anymore and yeah. it's so polarized but you know when people somebody- moved here portlandia people moved here because they thought it had community i my my law school i mean my college friend 
who's a lawyer in Portland, downtown, um, and I'm not going to name names because I just, you know, whatever. We had our thing, and I'm totally over him because he didn't come over <laughs> oh, oh. to Clackamas one day. The one time that I asked him to come over to my house Gay dating in, in 10 the years. Metro area. Well, to be fair, you don't have any furniture. And he didn't. <laughs> oh. This is years he ago. This okay. is years ago. Why? But anyway, he didn't even think I had just done all the garden up and everything and he he was like just he was so entitled like and I was like you can't come to my house once and so anyway but he's like he moved here with they like his wife uh, back when they first started the Portlandia show and like she wanted to come here from they were both working at a New York law firm like you know how that is just <laughs> crazy law hours and they were like we gotta you know, slave do something to the different firm. Yeah. yeah and so she's like Portland sounds great. We can really find community there. That's literally what she said to him. And so they they moved here, and you know what she found? Was a pig farmer at the farmer's market, and she left to go be with him. Wow. Listen. Are you serious? No. Don't hate on the pig farmer. No. No. Is that a true story? Yes. That's it. But here's the thing is, you guys, remember when, like, I was mowing my dad's lawn, and he would be like, my dad and my mom, he'd be like, I'd be mowing my lawn at the house, and he'd be like, oh, you ain't done yet, because you're going to Mildred across the street. Yeah. She's, we had to she's do that 82 years old, and she can, you're going to go mow it for free, yeah, because she's 82, and we're going to take care of Mildred. Had he knows. And somebody yeah. had a baby, or got pregnant, had a baby. Yeah. Everybody got, she got 18 lasagnas. Yeah. Right? They would never, nobody ever go hungry in our street. That was community. The but we don't have any of that thing. anymore. We Port, take care of each the other. The Portlandia thing was only as deep as a TV show. Like, that TV show, I swear to God, I hate it. And it's actually yeah. funny now. It's and they funny. could never make it And now. it's a hit in syndication. Yes. Uh, because it's so clearly. And you want to punch those people. It was, it was pressure. I just want to punch both of them. Because I'm like, you, you, make ruined, a my, st- you ruined my town. Well, they've, I, apparently. Yeah. Fred Armisen has like apologized for has that he? show. Yeah, oh, God. don't apologize. No, Just but I mean, it, but the thing no, is, no, for it's like. like- Creating a show that caused all these wackadoos to move here, and then they it lived ended here. Up, they, they, but also, it ended up being this. Carrie Bronson was from L.A. and she. That went is to not Olympia. the reason why Oregon is a shit show. Olympia wasn't cool enough, even though they named the, 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 the. Well, no, they didn't name. Olympia's the road not cool enough. True. Slater Kinney. The road was not named after the band. I was just gonna say they named a road after her band, but no. No, they <laughs> named their band after the road. Portlandia is not the reason why. I agree that it's not, but I think it it's is bad policymakers election cycle after election cycle election cycle who, with the bad who ideology. Voted for those policymakers, Portlandia people. Well, then read a book and get your head out the clouds. Like, I didn't vote for these people. I think people are starting to do that, fortunately. What I think is interesting, Don, is that I, mm. I enjoy your take and your questioning to Ben about what about what about poor people who can't crawl out of those circumstances and I think what I'm wondering about you is you know obviously listeners have heard your story um it's pretty traumatic it's one of the most traumatic stories I've ever heard and what differentiates you from say these the poor people that we're talking about there's one answer intelligence so 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 that's the big difference and not everyone has it so if you're I w- no, I was uh, genetically uh, blessed with intelligence. So what I was able to do was to intellectualize my way through trauma, and to 
um, realized that it was important for me to cultivate uh, uh, spiritual um, pathways to hope and to um, also just be smart enough to where I could eek by when I was in my worst situations and still make money and still function because it was just wasn't that hard for me to provide a service that somebody was willing to pay for. And 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 not everybody has that. I have a response. Okay, well, you, so you didn't raise am, your hand, but you I, can speak. Hands up. <laughs> I am uh, two generations removed from my grandma Twyla, who is... The, was arguably one of the most formative and important people in my life. I lost her when I was a kid. Um, she came over on flatbed trucks from the Dust Bowl of Oklahoma during the Great Depression and had to pick crops and um, live in shacks and worry about rattlesnakes biting her um, as she lived in these derelict commu- like agricultural communities, never once complained. She worked at Jansen over in North Portland, um, as a manager, Swim cutting, yeah, yeah. Yep. So cutting, cutting the fabrics. Did she buy a house? She smoked like a bunch. Um, yes, she did. How much did it cost? Versus, Hold, how let much me finish. Did she make? Let me finish. Yeah. So she, so she, so she, so she smoked a Marlboro or two a pack a day. <laughs> she was uh, today. She'd probably be a Trump supporter. Um, she made Christmas extra special. And she taught me the value of family and a hard day's work and always made me feel extra special as her grandson. Um, She didn't always make the best choice in men uh, (laughs) and had a lot of mistakes. My mom uh, went to Franklin High School. Uncle Wayne went to Jefferson. Uh, Really struggled. Uncle Wayne never graduated high school. My mom, I can't believe they graduated her from high school. Not real smart. Um, But, you know, good values and a great mother. Um... And uh, I was, my parents, my mom stayed at home. They were married. My dad worked really hard. We didn't have a lot, but I always know I had enough growing up. But I always understood the value of a good day's work and continuing to show up. I had great role models in my life and many blessings along my struggles. Um, And today I'm a county commissioner, a naval officer, and a nurse, a cardiology nurse, so maybe I've done better than my parents, but it's all relative because they're great people. And um, I, I just don't I, I just think that I was instilled a set of values that allowed me to be successful. And I never once my grandma always said to me, it's OK to be poor because I've been dirt poor, Ben, but it's never OK to act like you don't have dignity. And even though we were poor, and even though Grandma was real poor on that flatbed truck from the Dust Bowl, um, from but but she always um, made sure that she showed up and acted with a certain part of dignity with the in the midst of the greatest hardship. I think that's part of the American story. I think that's part of the value system that's missing in culture today. We were taken care of. If somebody got sick in our church, if somebody got ill in our community, if somebody was pregnant, if somebody was down and out financially, we took care of each other. Now we just talk about, like, I hate you because you voted for Trump. Like, that's, like, where we're at now. And so instead of taking care of having community, we act like it's normal to have people dying on our streets every single day. Yeah, but there's a vast difference. Structurally, look at what has changed. First of all, church. Church, which I believe in church. I'm a religious person. Church attendance is just plummeting. 
even That's true. especially since COVID, here, especially here. But even since COVID, I just want, I dabble in different religions and I like them all and I believe in them all. That's the Hindu in me. But so I went to the uh, Catholic cathedral recently, and he said that even amongst Catholics since COVID, so like since COVID at the Catholic cathedral here in Northwest, that attendance is down almost forty percent since COVID. Wow, COVID crippled community so that structurally well, especially in this state which kept everything closed for so long everybody got used to it down yeah. and like like it or not ben you had a good family a good family background yeah that's true oh i'm not gonna i, I so what i, I mean relish that. don did not don and, did not and, but and, he did have intelligence and intelligence and you know financially money i'm the dumbest one in the room just for the money, record i just no, mean, my, it money, actually might be me money makes a difference <laughs> like it does so most like, of my family has a below average iq so i think it's actually me but. we were not poor no you're really smart you're very practically smart uh I'm practically smart. <laughs> you know, so y'all, y'all went to nice colleges. Do you know what that means? I'm practically smart. I did smart. not. I like had to send my own ass to school late in my 30s. But look at you. I mean, you're. You know, I. I really res- like. 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 You wouldn't want even to be in Multnomah County. So for where you live, you're. Very successful. Yeah, I mean, I just you show know up, that. y'all. I just show no, up. No, you don't. In America, you just show up, and there's amazing things that can ben, happen in your you life. You work really hard. Listen, you have any signs I like pounded you into the ground with my really dad, hard. or how many? Like, I work hard. I know. I, I mean, work- my husband will tell you I don't pick up the laundry, and when, that's fair. Sorry, <laughs> Paul. I will do better at picking up the laundry you on my what? side of the bed. Uh, for to <laughs> Paul's credit, Paul also picks up most of the dog. Jesus poop. Lord, you guys. You know what? My my marriage is far from perfect. And, um, but Paul does do a lot of my, I could, work. I, my, I could never achieve. No, you could just not. for the record. So, yes, cause I know he's going to listen to this. Give me a second. Cause Another I, could, one. I he was going to listen to this. There is no way in my life as even like flawed as I am as a man. And even as imperfect as my marriage is, cause I don't know if a perfect one exists. No, it doesn't. Um, that there is no way in in, on this yeah. earth that I could achieve the success I had without a man like Paul standing behind me. There 100%. you go. Like making sure that Jay's lunch was made when 100%. I was out canvassing and, until and late into the evening or making sure that like dinner was on the table when I pulled an all-nighter at the hospital. And he hospital. works full time. And he right? works full he time. Does, yeah. So like, listen, my husband's one of 16 children. Eight boys, eight girls, no twins, no adoptions. He is number 14 of 16 babies, Catholic family. His, his mama told me, I go, I, she go, I go, did you all not do birth control? Because she was like, and his mom was this little French Quebec woman. And she was like, well, we did the rhythm method. I was like, well, I was like, I love you, girl, but y'all don't have no rhythm. I, I, y'all don't have no rhythm. Y'all white as hell. Y'all white as hell. Like, like, so again, what's the percentage of Americans that are, that are uh, single, never been married? It's higher than it's ever been. Like structurally, Ben, there are many people who cannot. But we've devalued marriage. We've but, devalued but, family. We've okay. devalued community. But how do you value marriage by banning gay marriage? No. Well, you know my answer well, on ben that. Ben obviously I'm, agrees with you since he yeah. sued the state <laughs> to get married. But what I mean married. is, is so like you know these are really easy things to say. You're right about them. But I'm just sharing my story. But what is the so so yes the culture of Portland is sick. But I we agree. can destigmatize 
things like marriage. We can destigmatize religion. Religion right. is stigmatized. Well, here's in the thing: is yeah, I, no. I, we can yeah, yeah, I'm sorry for being that. optimistic. It's like stigmatizing tobacco, but we can destigmatize. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I will not apologize for it. Is that I believe that every soul on this planet has inherent worth and value, sure, and that they're intrinsically beautiful in their own right, and they are worthy of healing and hope and all the greatness. Would agree with you? No, they want it. Ideologically, yes, that's what they their say. Their basis does not agree. If you look at their ideology, if you well, look at their worldview, if you look where it comes fascists. from, no. Well, they don't even know what the word means. They don't like fascists. Can we stop they, using the word fascist as if like, they know what it means? Like, they don't they know what it means. Say, Antifa will say, no, we value. They believe in the collective. We value everyone. No, they believe in the collective. No, and everyone no. is equal, better than you. No, they, they don't. They think everyone they is equal. They believe in equality. They don't believe in equality. They believe in equity, right. not equality. Right. And they do not They do not believe in the individual. They believe in, in the intrinsic value of the person. They believe in the collective. There's a that, that's a whole nother podcast. And but. and also, I mean, if you've sat through these city council meetings, you hear white women screaming at yes, yes, black Mingus maps that he's white a race traitor. That's not valuing not okay. every human being. That's not even being consistent but with your political beliefs. They, they say believe that in the they intersectionality do. And that's of the where oppressed. We have to figure out their thinking because no it's crazy thinking i don't know that we need to figure it we out they're not in charge the anymore we have to bridge the gap i don't they're think 45% no 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 that i don't i don't think i don't think they're 45% i think Joanne a lot of the, i think a lot of the people who voted for Joanne are not necessarily anti still wouldn't still vote for her I think that I don't think they I don't know that they would still vote for her. I think they thought they were doing the right thing by black people for voting for a black woman. But I don't think they were Antifa. And, you know, which is really funny is that most of the black people in Portland and I said this, I've said this a billion times. Most of the black people in Portland live east of the 205 where she got six percent of the vote. She got shellacked. (laughs) That is Renee. Because they're like, listen, the crime is high in my neighborhood. Hello. Listen, the the drug abuse is extra high here. Hello. Like, you ain't helping nobody with your woke social justice today because my my brown skin is suffering under your policies. You will find that the soft on crime policies have the least traction in the high crime areas. Of course that's true. Because they want the police to show up when yeah. someone's trying to shoot but their they house want down. Them, they want them to show up and be respectful to young black boys. I'm the only parent here of a black child. There you go. My, what do you think? We have not had that experience. Actually, we've had what um, Royland Fryer, the economist and Harvard, Harvard professor, would point to as they are much more reluctant to engage as necessary with black individuals and um, than they would with um, other white counterparts. You're talking about the cop, right? So in my instance, my son's an- anecdotal instance would be much more uh, akin to Roland Fryer's statistical data than it would be to the social justice progressive leftist um, talking points by so, far. Well, okay, but see, like, uh, that may be true, but but you look at these incidents and what happens, and I just see clear instances of PTSD. What I what I mean by that is is that the 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 person who's being pulled over freaks out in many of these things that have caused riots. Mm-hmm. We see that. Right, like we just see George Floyd is the same thing. He's not listening to the cop. He's freaking out. He's like, 
don't do this to me again. Don't do this to me again. Like, whatever it is, he's wrong. Okay, he's wrong. But he is freaking out. And so what I would say is, like, we can, okay, like, deny the fact maybe your son and other people don't have that reaction. And, again, that may be related to things like intelligence and education and just staying calm or where they're at in their lives. But, unfortunately, a lot of young black men are being raised in single-parent households where they don't have the benefit of a two-parent family and their lives are economically insecure and they're being sucked into gangs and they're just not in good places and they're high-anxiety people. And so they flip out. Let me tell you what I taught my son because the same thing my dad taught me is um, you get pulled over and you think it's not right. You do 10 and 2 o'clock on the wheel. You say, yes, sir, no, sir. You don't act the fool. You give him your documentation. I, you give I mean, him your ID. You say, um, he gives you a ticket. That's exactly what and Breon if, said and, when and, he came And on. if that officer crosses the line, the Lord knows you can swear on baby Jesus at Christmas time that your dads are going to go to the mat for you and that officer and that system will be held accountable if they do not treat you with equality under the law. Right. So what if you have no but, dad? But... But here's the but here's the bottom line. The mantra is is solely because of my son's skin color, he will be murdered by that police officer. No, that's not that is exactly mantra. what is perpetrated. With some people, they'll say he'll be shot, he'll be mistreated. Sure, solely because of his skin skin color, it is sensationalized. Is it, it wasn't that what the and racial reckoning was all about? Yes, it's all about because you better have that conversation with your kid. You, know, you better Obama prepare Obama him. About that. No, yeah. uh, let me tell you what. But, the ra- but, but here's the problem is. Is if my son acts responsibly, I believe that he will be safe um, in Clackamas County if he's pulled over. Sure. Agreed. However, there's a couple things going on there. First of all, what your grandpa told you is great if you're in the, um, if you don't, haven't freaked out to where you're not recalling your memory and you're functioning on pure adrenaline and what i'm saying is is there is a subset of the black community that is not you're conflating in in great control because we're told we're told by all of our betters that it's because of the color of the skin that are being shot okay look that's what we're being told no it's a certain segment of people who says that it's like antifa no, it's the, not Antifa. Yeah. It's the media. Okay. It's, it's a lot of politicians. Sure. It's it's a lot of people with a lot of fancy names and titles telling us that basically the police are gunning down black people. That is also why Portland paid. That's also why Portland has the lowest per capita of police officers per residence because of a culture of anti-police they're, they're, that makes them sound like a bunch of like racist thug murders, which is that, not true. These people are saying that because they're getting paid to say that. The media is getting paid to say that because it gets clicks. No, they're carrying the water and the, in the narrative the, of the Democrat Party. And the people, like the BLM-type like mouthpieces are saying that because they're getting paid by like Soros and different people. <laughs> what, what did you say before? we? Yeah, the, what like, mountain were we talking about? They're getting paid. But what mountain were we talking Mount about? Tabor, Mount yeah. Tabor. <laughs> they're getting paid. But the George Floyd thing was real. The, if you, for me... Looking at the George Floyd video, there was a reason to riot. What should have happened there was the police should have realized this dude has no intention to hurt us. He stole 20 bucks. He needs to get written a ticket and calm down and given a summons. 
What happened was he got he died. I, it's interesting how um, I I I think that we it's interesting how we only litigate potential police mishaps if it's a black person, but if it's any other race. Nobody wants to talk well, the about that. other races don't flip out in the same way. Are you kidding me? There's plenty of evidence no. of police misuse with white people, there. Hispanic How people, Asian people. There's, it is, it is not. I don't get about white people. How can you deny the trauma of the black community? They were brought here as slaves. They only were allowed to vote in 1964. I, okay, you guys need to do a closing argument here so we can wrap this up. Don, I'm going to give you one minute. I don't even know what we were arguing about. I guess we <laughs> Okay, and that's it for the we show. like everyone's Dawn. backyard with a beer in the summer nights, right? Dawn. This is what happens at everyone's holiday and backyard. This is the holiday episode because this is what happens at the holidays and everyone's Merry Christmas home. and Happy New this Year. Merry happy Christmas Hanukkah. and Happy New Year. Happy, Hanukkah's yes, now over, but I hope it was happy. Ben, just, Ben, remember, remember, the, remember that, the, like your constituents, like you said, a lot of them are not the affluent like community just remember that there are people who have mental impediments to um to doing some of the things that that you think are yep. would be and, good for and them unlike to do. the current status quo i'm trying to do something about okay that. and and and, that, and i support you yep. and uh, i just just keep an eye out for the for the for the for the people who just uh, aren't in control of their faculties. Listen, yeah. y'all, this is how the gays roll right now. <laughs> this is how the gays roll on the rational in Portland. Okay, Ben, w- one minute. Give us sort of a, a closing argument here. Um, I love Oregon. I have every right to um, bring regress with what we're living with today because I'm my people have been here six generations. Um, and I am a public servant because I believe that I can bring a level of sanity and hope and a different set of policies than what we've been doing to fix some of these chronic and persistent problems that perplex Oregon. I think that um, Oregon is worth fighting for, and I'm here to fight for it. I know a lot of people um, have moved away. I remember when Oregon was considered the land of opportunity the trodden trail of our forefathers and the pioneers that would come here to uh, find that land of milk and honey. And we even have that pioneer gilded in gold sitting on our state capitol. But all too often I see a reverse migration of people leaving and going to Texas, Tennessee, Florida, India, (laughs) (laughs) as it would dawn here. But um, I, I believe... I'm here for the long haul, um, many generations here. I love this state uh, from, the, from the peaks of the Cascades to the beautiful Oregon coast to the golden fields of uh, rural Oregon where the grass fields roll for miles and miles all the way to Joseph, Oregon and Wallala County, uh, Ontario, Harney County, Lake County, Wheeler. Marion, all up the Willamette Valley. This is a beautiful state. And so um, I'm just trying to be a good public servant, be authentic. This is a pretty raw conversation today. Just a, a bunch of friends having a good conversation yeah, you guys got to participate in. Um, so hang in there, you guys. I think our, our better days are ahead of us. Um, and uh, make sure to engage. And uh, I really appreciate you, Kristen, for having me again I appreciate on your podcast you, today. And I appreciate you, Don. Thank you so much for your perspectives, and I think this was 
really helpful and, and really important. And it was it's fun to listen to smart people talk about complex things. So thanks for coming on. Thanks.